Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the TetraCast. This is RPG Site's weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. We're into the middle of March. My name is Brian Vitali. We've all of a sudden have a ton of games thrown on us that we're all working through. Uh, joining me today, I've got Adam Vitali. Hello. James Galizio. Hey, folks. Josh Torres. It is the last week before Jack Garland, the video game. And Chow Min Wu. You're not here to kill me, is it? Because if you add an S to my name, it is chaos. Yeah, there you go. Chaos Min Wu. Uh, so we uh, so we know that several of us are still working our way through Elden Ring. Obviously, that's still a big release from a few months, uh, sorry, a few weeks back. Uh, but we've talked about that uh, for a few weeks in a row on the podcast. So we'll probably table discussion on that for now. Well, obviously, we'll readdress it later in the year. Maybe uh, if we find a good opportunity to speak to it, you know, before that point, we will. Uh, but we're going to be talking about a couple other games that uh, released around the time of Elden Ring that we haven't had a chance to, as well as some other games that we're working through. We've got a ton of release dates from this week, to, to for both for new games and for like DLCs and expansions to existing games. As as happens every year when we get to like the March-April timeframe, everything about the, uh, the holiday season and those summer months, it all starts falling into place into like what we can sort of expect. Kind of like the people getting their ticky-tack pre-summer news out of the way before we get the bigger drops at the E3 or whatever replaces E3 now timeline. The first game that we're going to talk about is one that we kind of briefly mentioned in passing around the release of Elden Ring, as has kind of been this game's fate, I feel like, in the larger gaming discourse. And that is Horizon Forbidden West. So we obviously did write a review for this for the site. Quentin was able to put that up for us uh, back when that game launched. We have not been able to get Quinn on the podcast, just the timing just doesn't work out too well. But we do have Adam here, who has made his way over to Horizon Forbidden West in lieu of Elden Ring. So while all of us have been enjoying and having ample opportunities to talk about our times in uh, from software's newest game, we wanted to make sure that we gave Horizon a fair shake. And I'll just I, at this point hand it over to Adam. Just to... oh man, that the way you phrased that was uh, was savage to Horizon uh, a little. It's like, well, I guess we gotta give our due time to Horizon, but yeah, well, like, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not because, like, you know, that's, that's kind of been the weird thing about Horizon. It's not a first time, a first time thing for Horizon. Like Horizon One, released at a time, and that I think in that month when it came out, it was like Breath of the Wild came out near Automata. I think was coming out that month as well. Um, but if I remember probably, correctly, the original Horizon released like end of February two thousand seventeen, and then mm-hmm. the Switch came out like. A couple of weeks later, or like a week or two later, with you know Zelda as a launch title, and then I think Near Automata, you know, it kind of was straddling with the the Japanese and English release right around that time as well. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know the Japanese release was in February for Near Automata, and the and then there was the like the English release, later, and then yeah. the, and then the PC release was a little bit later. It was kind of a weird, staggered thing. Yeah, and even um, that, the Japanese release of Automata had English in it already. So yep, yeah, that's how weird. I played it. <laughs> I actually think it's a superior version. They don't have to deal with uh, censoring names in, in the Japanese version. They, there was literally no difference if you played it in English, Chow. You do know no, that, no, right? no. There, there is one thing. There, there is John Paul and Satry. His names get beeped in the English version. Huh. I, I, oh yeah 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 that's right yeah it does yeah yeah i don't so know if there I was, was like I, some sort of weird legal thing there that they couldn't actually say it that's weird 
Yeah. So I was anyway, looking. Uh, I was looking over the releases from early 2017 to see whatever if like if I could pile on because I'm because I'm yeah because I, I was around there to see like what I could add like oh what else released around uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, do, do you remember? I completely forgot this game launched. Do you remember Super Mario Run, the Auto yes. Runner? Like I forgot I that, that game existed. Uh-huh. Uh, it also released I- uh, in North America early in. Uh, at least for Android in March 2017. When did, Anyways, when did Yakuza Zero release in English? Wasn't that like January 2000? Yeah, that was January, along with uh, Gravity Rush Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game that came out in nuts. February. Yeah, 2017 was nuts. Uh, another game that came out uh, February 2017 was Neo One. I think yeah. Tales of Berseria was around there too. Jesus, 2017 was fucking weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys are reminding me. Yeah, that's. Very packed, but yeah, I mean, t- here we are. Horizon Forbidden West. This is one of the like, the the first like things they uh, they announced alongside with the PS5 when they finally had that de- debut event, and they had that CG trailer for for Horizon Two. Um, I'm really interested to see how like this has been a weird conversation around this game because it released so close to Elden Ring, and they both have different flavors open world and how they apply it uh, into their games, and they can both exist in the same space. But you know, a lot of the co- conversation has been they can't and it's like that's that's yeah they they kind of inevitably seem to butt heads you know like and one has to you know somehow like dominate over the other but they kind of i do want to i do want to qualify before we get too far into this that like i played and enjoyed zero dawn i played it when it came on pc and wrote the pc impressions piece for it and i actually enjoyed it enough that i kind of looked past some of the technical difficulties that that pc really sad so i am looking forward to uh Forbidden West. I don't. I want to say. I did. Are you, I are you just waiting so, for the PC? Is that is that so? Is that so? Just like it, like it's a, a bit weird comparison between Elden Ring is PC version. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. PC. Like I tried to at least earmark a little bit of space in my review for Elden Ring, saying like, yeah, the PC version's not not stellar. Uh, but yeah, I didn't mean to go so heavy on the oh, I guess we got to talk about Horizon now because I am legitimately interested in this. I know it's a little bit less like we still get conversations like this isn't an RPG. It's you know, it's just a, it's just an action an open world game with skill trees or whatever. But Adam, I think you had some opinions on that. Maybe we'll get to that. So just talk about your time with uh, Forbidden West so far. Yeah, so Horizon Forbidden West, it takes the more more uniformly typical open world like structuring and it's basically a very very polished version of that it's not doing anything new or novel in terms of like the overall structure of the game so you know people will compare it to ubisoft open worlds or other open worlds and it is you know there i've played assassin's creed valhalla Um, i haven't played like many of these assassin's creed titles but i have played valhalla and honestly in terms of just like structure of the game it is very similar in terms of exploring zones there's a lot of different icons on the map that are like different types of events that you can go to there's lots of side quests uh lots of things to collect um so it, it that's just the type of game it is uh it's i'm i haven't played elden ring but it's there are a lot of cinematics and things like that so it's sort of that flavor of game where i imagine you know elden ring is not a cinematic heavy game that's just not the type of story it tells it. most of the uh, cinematics not, think, in elden ring are i'm just letting adam know this because i don't think you've played as you haven't played a souls like from from soft you've only played i have from played other like developers. a handful of souls likes but not a from game yeah so actually i should clarify i have played 
Armored Core. So I have played from games. Of, okay. Uh, Hell yeah. Mo- most of the cinematics in... Uh, I'm speaking very generally here. Don't nitpick on them. What about this? Most cinematics in most from software souls likes are ahead of boss fights usually. Right. Um, but yeah, my, my point is, is, is that, you know, it takes basically an established structure and is polishing it to a, to a mirror sheen. That's what it's doing. So, you know, if you've tried forbidden West or sorry, zero dawn and you didn't care for like, it's, like structurally like what it was then forbidden west isn't really much different from that now if you tried zero dawn and maybe you were you you didn't quite like things like the quest design or the melee combat or maybe some of the like visual things like i know facial animations in the original game aren't stellar um and things like that or maybe the ui like inventory management and things like these sort of things that can pile up to maybe affect your enjoyment of the game Forbidden West improves in a lot of ways. Let me, I know I just listed them, but let me list them again. Like yeah, the before, before you go into that, before you go to that, like, this is the first PS5 game, like, the first game you've played on your PS5 since you got it. When? Yeah. Yep. I, I, got, I got my PS5 in September of last year, and it's been sitting in a box for half a year. Adam, I forget. Uh, have you played, uh, have you played 7 Remake, and have you played the Yuffie thing? I played the original PS4 version of 7 Remake, and then I was waiting for the PC version, and then the PC version seems iffy. Uh, it's probably fine for my taste. Like, I just kind of want to play the uh, Ufi DLC and whatever, but I'm just like, I'm not in a hurry. Uh, I'll play it before the second per- second part comes out. Or maybe it'll come out on Steam before then. I don't know. Um, I, I have no... I, I will play games on Epic. Like, I played Neo, The World Ends With You on Epic. But, you know, if it comes out on Steam before I get a chance to play it, I'll probably get it there. Uh, anyways, so Horizon Forbidden West, it's a direct sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, it's nothing weird about that. It literally just continues the storyline. Forbidden or Zero Dawn definitely did not conclude, like, 100% conclusively um, there. But... In terms of like improvements, it makes improvements across the board. Like one melee combat is a hell of a lot better. Uh, I don't know if they took like you know tips from like God of War or whatever. It's got a you know a somewhat typical like heavy attack light attack system, but it does add in a few twists and turns in terms of how it works with like your your spear's abilities in terms of like how it can energize and de-energize and how that affects like the status of the person or the thing you're fighting. Uh, so melee combat is a lot better. Uh, the quest design. Uh, there are a lot of quests in this game. Like I probably have kind of come across like 20 or 30 or so, roughly in that range. And uh, these quests in the original game, the quests were more like very clearly like go, go over here and kill this thing and report back, you know, pretty bare bone, pretty typical. But now like there's each quest has a kind of a mini story involved with it that's a little bit more involved. There's a lot of pretty well done cinematics that are in the quests. Like it's not just the rote animations of models or whatever. Like they put some time into like how these little quest stories are done. So they're massively improved. Even small UI things in terms of like how to how to manage your inventory is all uh, much, much uh, nicer to, to work with in Forbidden West. This is something I almost have to remind myself. Remember how in, I know some of you have played Zero Dawn. In Zero Dawn, there were like these, uh, there were like not loot box loot boxes. Do you remember those? Yeah. Those were weird. 
this game doesn't have those, which is good because those are just they, they, they just call them like supply caches or something. Yeah, like you do like buy a, or you'd like buy a cache, like you can find them or buy them and then like open it. You, it you got you, you got like one freebie from every shop or something. It was kind of weird. Yeah, that that they got rid of that, which is good. I think it was kind of one of those just like just it didn't it didn't add a lot. Thing. It just, it just yeah, it just made it not clean. Yeah. Um, and there's also, you know, other improvements like traversal. There's uh, a few things. You, early on in the game, you get a, basically a grappling hook. And that this is used for, like, elevation in terms of getting up higher. Um, I'm not a big fan of some of the climbing stuff in this game. It kind of reminds me of, like, those uncharted climbing sequences where it's just kind of, like, sidle along a ridge to the next, you know, ledge to grab onto, and then you go through the sequence of just from jumping from ledge to ledge. That stuff is honestly one of the things that did carry over from the original game that I'm not really a fan of, but there, there is some improved traversal in terms of the, uh, the grappling hook. It's called the pole caster helps you kind of get around more smoothly. I've actually gotten far enough in the game where I can now mount one of the flying robots to fly around anywhere, which is pretty darn cool. There's a glider new, as well. That you get. Those are both like new to this game. Cause I don't remember. Yeah. How. Yeah, you, in the original game, you could mount like some of the robots and ride it like a horse, which is cool and fine. But now you have like the grapple hook, you have the glider, um, you know, inspired from Breath of the Wild or not. It's just nice if you're up like on a really high ledge and you need to move somewhere else. You don't have to worry about like, how do I get down safely? You can just jump and glide. Um, so there are a lot of improvements like that. The open world is really pretty dense. Um I think I mentioned this. I mentioned this not too long ago, but this game is similar to Assassin's Creed Valhalla and its structure. But Valhalla has a lot of, a lot more like empty space in between settlements, and so you can basically you run from like one settlement in Valhalla to the other, and then there's just like fields of, you know, grass and grains and weeds and whatnot. Which honestly, they look great, but you don't really. They're just kind of empty and vast. You don't really do a whole lot there. Where Val or where this game is much more dense. There's a lot more like forested areas, cliffy areas, settlements. Um, and so it just, there's, I feel like it meets a good balance in terms of stuff to do and for stuff to find, even if it does get a little bit into the checklist nature of things, I don't think it's as egregious as Valhalla. Uh, I'm making that, I know that comparison might seem it's, weird, but it's, it's interesting though, recent. because like, so a lot of people are obviously comparing Elden Ring to Horizon. And they're very different approaches to the framework of an open world game or RPG. And then you have like almost like a different impression because you haven't played all the drinks. You're like, well, I'm comparing this to Valhalla, which is apparently well, not think, your I taste. Think, it's, just, it's just interesting. Well, I think Valhalla and Forbidden West share a lot in common. And they people have said, you know, that Forbidden West is a Ubisoft style open world. And I would agree with that. It's they're very similar. Now, the one thing about Horizon Forbidden West and Zero Dawn that I enjoy most about these games, and I know it's not for everyone, is the combat. I'm actually really fond of the combat in these games. It, there's a lot of, it's it's got a more of a ranged focus. You have several different types of bows. You get like spear throwing, you get bombs, you get traps. And uh, how I would, I'm going to make another comparison to Valhalla. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to make this many, but the thing about Valhalla that I didn't, that honestly I kind of detested is the combat in that game for a few reasons. But the main one is in Valhalla, you just mow down so many like 
mindless, stupid mooks that you just like, like in any combat encounter in that game, there's just like literally 40 of these guys that you're just like mowing through and it gets really old really fast. Whereas in Horizon, basically just take that density and reduce it a lot. You're fighting a lot fewer things and they take more time to beat. Uh, so you do have to have some patience. But you're just this sort of encountering like you've, you've like last night I was playing and I encountered a storm bird, which is basically this gigantic bird. And it can take a good, let's just say 10 minutes to beat one of those things, which, you know, a 10 minute encounter, it, you know, doesn't may not sound great, but that's like the only enemy in the area. And once you beat it, you can then be free, then free to explore. But I just think that that's like kind of way more interesting in terms of its in terms of like the pacing of combat of combat in this game. Plus. Things like there's a lot of things like various elemental abilities and statuses. There's shock, there's acid, there's fire, there's psychic. I forget what it's called. And when you're attacking these enemies, especially the big ones, they have, you know, you know, pieces of them that you want to attack in certain ways that whether that can be good in terms of getting certain types of loot or perhaps even just being able to beat them because it maybe reduces their capabilities. So I just kind of like that styling of it. And it's, you know, there's like the variety of weapons that you have on hand. It's just very different from the usual, uh, you know, heavy attack, light attack, comboing type combat that you find in a lot of games. There aren't You don't really do combos, right? You're just using the various types of weapons in various ways. Yeah, I mean, you're primarily uh, an archer. It's not like you're doing yeah. uh, demo way cry combat. Uh, and there's also a couple of, yeah. there's also a couple of smart, like, um, I don't know if you want to call this a tutorial, but throughout the game, dotted throughout the game, there are these melee arena pits that basically, when you do them, you get you. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those checklist things that you do in this game. But they each teach you like a different, basically, strategy for melee combat in terms of different combos and different things you can do. And I've legitimately have like jumped into one of these pits, and then it like kind of throws you in a battle where you have to do a certain type of ability i'm like wow this is actually pretty cool and i find myself using it like back out in the open world in terms of you know something i didn't realize i could do in terms of like for example you can do like a a armor breaking three hit combo which is light light heavy and then if you hold down a button and then release it in such a way you do what they call a half moon slash which sort of like slides you closer to the enemy and sort of around them and you can kind of follow up with a second combo and then if you hold a different button you can jump off of them and basically find uh finish the combo with like a with a you jump off of them time slows down bullet time shoot an arrow at them and there's some cool stuff you can do with that it's way improved over the first game which i just the first game's melee combat is like really awkward it, you only have to really use it against humans how far are you into this uh, sequel? Oh, okay. So I have basically, when I was playing this game, there's different approaches to playing an open world game, right? Some people like to kind of like exhaust the exploration parts of it and then sort of like follow the story. But Horizon does have a few things that are like gated in terms of um, eventually partway through the story, for example, you get the... Uh, the, the rebreather for swimming underwater longer. And rather than me exploring and noting like, oh, here's a bunch of underwater areas that I can't explore. Here's another thing that I don't have the tool for it yet. Like, let me just kind of proceed through the story and kind of unlock these things first. And then I can do some exploring without to worry about, you know, do I have the capability to do this yet? There's not a lot of that, but there's a little. 
Um, but I, but I also I wanted to get to like the later encampments because they have better gear and stuff. But I am at the, I got to the point where I'm at the final story mission of the game, but I I somewhat mainline my way there. So if you look at like my world map, it's like a big world map, but you can actually kind of see my path through it based on what's explored. And like, it's just kind of a little line sneaking through this map. And like, oh, there's a bunch of other stuff I haven't done yet. And I had, you know, I had like 20 quests that I hadn't completed. And so like, all right, uh, let me explore a bit. And I kind of needed to do that anyways, because like I need to get better gear. I need to level up a bit um, and things like that. So that's kind of when I'm in the process of it now. I'm, I think I'm around 50 hours in the game, which I probably could go ahead and just beat the game now if I wanted. But I'm like, let can explore a little bit longer. Why not? Uh, one other thing I do want to mention, this game is very, very well. Like, it's very thorough and very polished and very in many aspects. Um, so I'm near the end of the game. And I've actually jumped back to some of the quests that are much, much, much earlier in the game. And these quests, like I said, they have they have like their own little mini stories. There's a lot of dialogue, a lot of NPCs. They will reference things from later in the game. I've kind of been surprised at how many times they do that. Like, for example, actually, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, maybe I'll just leave it at that. They, they, it does a pretty good job at where, like, the quests, they don't, they feel like they're well integrated and it's not like, oh, I could have done this 30 hours ago and it feels like it's from 30 hours ago. Like, oh, they're actually referencing things I just did, even though I could have done this a long time ago. And I'm also kind of wondering, I wonder if I if I sort of skipped some of the mainline stuff and then, let, then try to do like a late game quest, how the dialogue might be different if I hadn't like seen some of the main story things yet in terms well, of I remember and when events. I was playing Greedfall a few years back, the last or I think the last companion you get is Afira, the, the tech lady. Um, yeah. And I remember doing an early quest like with her in the party, which I feel like and most I feel like 99 percent of people would do this quest before they get her. But then, like, if you have her in the party, she has her own bespoke dialogue. And it was something that I really praised that game for was really involving companions in the quest. I know it's a different style of game than Horizon, but similar sort of thing where it's like, hey, there's the 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 developers had the wherewithal. Is that the right word? The cognizance to say, like, OK, some players are going to approach this not in the maybe most likely or expected order of events so we're going to account for that and make sure that, that what we do have it doesn't feel like if you're going back to the first zone to do a side quest that you put off that it feels like you're going back in time they're trying to make it so that your right, narrative exactly. is still contiguous so that's really yes. cool i think yeah um i i won't get into anything else because of spoiler reasons and this game's story uh so the first game had you know the twist in the first game, it's not really a twist anymore, but the twist in the first game was basically you are in post-apocalyptic uh, like Western United States. It was, I forget where it was. It was like Colorado. Um, and that's like, I guess there's another twist about who Aloy is in the first game, but the story in Forbidden West, there are some pretty big twists early on that haven't... Now, I'm pretty good at avoiding spoilers, so maybe these are out there and everyone knows about them, but I just haven't seen them other than my experience of the game itself. But there are some pretty kind of bizarre, kind of crazy, zany twists in this game. Uh, I wouldn't say it's I would say it's entertaining. I don't know if it's good. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 entertaining enough for me to wonder, like, I wonder what they're going to do with this um, with some of the, sto the story uh, offerings here. So now let me talk about some things I'm not so much of a fan of. I already mentioned some of the climbing sequences. This game, 
in the first game had it too. There are just some sequences like in some of the dungeony areas or some of the, you know, some of the in, in spots in the world map where it's like, all right, we need to get to this point on this cliff over here. You got to climb and do like this sort of linear path where you climb from ledge to ledge and jump uh, from ledge to ledge to get to the spot. And I think the way Brian kind of put this before, I think you literally said this when you were talking about your experience with Zero Dawn, is it barely qualifies as gameplay. And I agree with you because it's just kind of, you know, you're just kind of going along a linear path, pressing X a few times. It's just, just like what you see. It's, us- it's usually just a vehicle to like occupy your, literally your time. hands on your controller while some narrative some dialogue yeah. Eloy, I'm guessing speaks to herself and like, all right, we got to make sure that was, actually this the, convi- that was actually the next thing I was going to mention. Um, I think this is one of the biggest comparisons people make between Elden ring and horizon is that Aloy speaks to herself constantly about everything and will basically reveal any sort of like task or slight puzzle you have to do immediately. Like, Oh, I need to do this or, Oh, I need to, I found this energy cell. Maybe I can do something with it. Or, oh, I need to get up there. I need to do something with this crate. Or, oh, I need to find, even in a quest, more quest uh, phrasing, like, hmm, this person wants me to do this. I wonder if I should meet with them over there. I'm surprised with all the accessibility settings they have in this game that they don't don't just have a toggle. I looked. I didn't see any, I didn't see a toggle for like self narration. (laughs) I was actually thinking, like, what would that be called? Like, uh, you know. (laughs) Propensity it, to speak to self, high, medium, or low. I, don't I know. think I think yeah, if I remember helpful narration or something or helpful monologue. I don't know. If I remember correctly, there actually has been a patch to reduce some of the times. I I, I think I saw this. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I guess when the game launched, ALA would talk about a lot when you pick up items. If she couldn't fit them in her pouch, she would send them to her stash, and she'd be like, "Oh, I'll send this to my stash. I can grab it later." And then apparently that was one of the things they actually toned down a bit, where she doesn't say that every time. Don't uh, forget so like, me. It's possible. Well, that is, that's actually another UI thing that's really nice, is that uh, in the original game, I forget exactly how it worked, but some of the ways that stashing worked in your inventory worked was more annoying, where here you can kind of, it's much more convenient to how you grab things. And there's no, there's no like over encumbrance or anything like that. You can just pick up everything. And it, it's, it's, Maybe it doesn't make sense that Aloy can hold on to like 17 bows or whatever, but it actually works out. It, it's it's actually not too bad. But yeah, this, the, self, most the self-narration of Aloy is uh, is it's, thing. it's honestly it's honestly I've like there's been times I speak to myself. I'm like, oh come on, like you didn't need to tell me that. Like sometimes it is obvious, and sometimes there actually are there have been points where you actually where her where her muttering has like genuinely been useful, but it didn't even give me time to like find it myself. It's like, Hmm, I need to get up to that cliff. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even see the cliff yet. Uh, cause she just muttered it, but it's just, it's just kind of like, I wish you could tone it down or they would tone it down. Um, there. I guess but that's otherwise it's, it's like, it, it speaks to like a larger conversation, like in modern game design, right? Because there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, big, big, like, you know, like triple A games that like have to like uh market this as the lowest common denominator of like okay well we gotta make sure that no, no one feels like they're lost in this game or we gotta make sure that like we want them to like keep on going moving forward no matter what we don't want them to get stuck or hung up like on anything we just wanna try to make it as smooth as possible almost to the point that like the 
that the game is borderline playing itself if you know what you mean like you, yeah. you guys are just talking about it like you know the the what would be qualified as quote-unquote platform segments like that's not really a platform i'm trying to remember i know i played a game i don't is it maybe it's one of the uncharted i forget i know i played a game that has this sort of like you're in a room or some zone and you have to like somehow find your way through it and I know I've played a game where if you like spend if you're if the game notices that you've been wandering for five minutes and haven't progressed, like a little UI thing will pop up like Yeah, Uncharted does that. I think the word for a clue and that. then you press it and then the main character would talk to themselves about a clue. Uh, uh, Jedi Fall Order. Oh the, I haven't played Jedi, I mean, so it wasn't I mean, that, but maybe no. that's one. Yes, I but yeah, I kinda I wish Horizon would do something like that rather than have Aloy just immediately like tell you what you need to do yeah uncharted uh, does that uh, uh okay. i remember uh how about resident evil 6 when you play as ada's root she's always oh. like talking to herself every time you solve a puzzle or something <laughs> no one remembers playing resident evil 6 get out of here just kidding. uh yeah you, you, but like if fun. you played horizon zero dawn and you liked it you will love forbidden west because it improves it in so many ways while maintaining it's the same style of game now, if you didn't like Zero Dawn and you just didn't care for that style of game um, because of its design, maybe less so like the the like the like maybe some execution here and there, but the actual design is more not your thing, then Forbidden West is probably not going to change your mind. Um, now, in terms of like, we get this, we're, we're all used to this. Some of us have been here a long time. We are all used to people like, this isn't an RPG. Why are you covering it? Like that's kind of we're we're kind of numb to that to be honest, or at least I am. I think Horizon Forbidden West is pretty darn close. Like you have stats on all your gear, and you have a bunch, like a ton of different stats. You have like damage stats, fire stats, piercing stats, tearing stats, um, and then same with the same with the, your various defenses on your gear. Uh, you have levels. I know everything has a skill tree now, but yes, there's a skill tree. Uh, you have the quests. You like you are progressing through the game in the sense that I am much stronger now than I was at the, at the beginning of the game in this sort of abstracted way that, you know, it's not just a skill thing or it's just like, I'm, I'm super good at, I'm not like super good archer. Now I just have a better stat bow and I have better abilities now because I've progressed through the RPG ish systems in the game. The only place I would say this game is not very RPG ish the main thing is that like the quests are more like mini stories. You're not making a lot of decisions. There are, there's no like, you know, it's not, this isn't like, uh, I don't know. Skyrim or my kingdom. Come well, the thing is, is a game. The I thing know, is, is that where you so have like a RPGs, lot of branching quest decisions. So many RPGs don't Reason even it. like touch that. Like, right. Exactly. Final fantasy 10. What decisions do you yeah. make? Like, I none. mean, there's the, there's, no, there's, no one ever some questions people do that. make the argument. Yeah. Some people do make the argument that like, JRPGs aren't actually RPGs, which you know, <laughs> fine. I mean, but I think at that it's point, it's like I don't, to, I don't care to argue with you because, like, then we're just arguing two different dictionaries, basically. Like, okay, it's you've determined your criteria, I've determined mine, and they're not in alignment, so we can't even have a discussion on this anymore. Yeah, but like, I, I, I just, I just think in terms of it. like progression, stats, resources, like that. Now you like. You, you don't have like stats like you don't have like a strength stat but all your stats are tied to equipment and when you progress through the game you can find earn or buy 
new equipment that's like, oh, this bow is better and it has like these stats and then you can upgrade the bow to get better stats and do more damage. And that sort of abstract nature of things is what it's an RPG to me rather than, you know, a pure action game where maybe less stats and it's just purely on your ability to chain skills together or play the game or here there's this abstracted nature to things. So if it's not an RPG, then Valhalla isn't an RPG either. But I would say both in this case are like pretty darn close. You know what so, we, we we need like the the Watchdogs Legion thing of like you can like hack into a person like see their portfolio, but then in this case you yeah. hack into a person and then it just their, their only portfolio is like what they define as an RPG and then listed some examples at <laughs> what they consider RPGs and then you can decide whether you want to interact with that person or not uh, based on that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's um. It's a tight, it's the sort of game you kind of have to be in the mood for. Like I played Valhalla a year ago, roughly, and you know, similar sort of open world. So you're telling now, me you're not going to go straight into the new Valhalla DLC expansion thing? I, was, I'll probably play it eventually, but uh, I'm was I got gonna some be a light standalone going thing, on now, and it's now oh, okay. On that yeah. note, I've kind of heard some pretty harsh things on that new expansion, so. And I wasn't even Give that it. hot on the original game on Valhalla. Oh, you can't I, mean, just I did not expect to talk about Valhalla this much. What's well, one uh, I know, thing like, Stephen Totillo. So Stephen Totillo from, uh, where is he at now? Axios. Uh, he's a big Assassin's Creed fan. And I saw him. He was just like, this DLC is not very good. And then, like, I think James told me yesterday, I haven't checked this myself, that, like, IGN reviewed it and gave it, like, a six. And it's just like, uh, so basically, I just haven't seen a whole lot of good things about this new expansion. It's uh, six above average. Oh, what's going on? <laughs> what's going um, on? But yeah, I'm average. enjoying Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, you know, it's, I think, for the, this sort of open world type of game, I think it avoids the major pitfalls in terms of like empty space, nothing to do. But, um, and there's nothing that says you have to do all the checklist stuff. Like I probably I could have beaten the game probably 10 or 20 hours ago if I wanted to and beaten it in a 30 40 hour window and like so it's if you wanted just to like experience the story it's not absolutely gigantic, but if you want to complete everything then yes it is. Uh but I just think it makes so many improvements and it's just kind of unfortunate that it released next door to Elden Ring, which takes like a new, more novel philosophy towards open worlds. And then, of course, like we said, people just kind of inevitably have to, you know, de- deem one as the more as the better game, which Elden Ring probably is uh, or at least the more interesting game for sure. But I think Horizon Forbidden West is, you know, they made smart decisions in terms of looking at feedback to the original game and saying, all right here's what we need to improve and basically executing on that. So do you think they're going to make another one of these? It's from what I hear and from what I can tell where the story is going they're if they want to complete the story, they're going to have to. Okay. So. Interesting. It's a very, yeah. very classic middle entry feeling that we're sort yeah. of getting. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like an empire strikes back yet, but maybe the ending will be a really big downer. I don't know. Oh, there's one more thing I forgot to mention. I'm so sorry. Uh, do I still have time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is one thing I did not know about, and I did not see in the early in the marketing at all, and I wasn't expecting. So Horizon is a single player game. There's no party. You have one character. Aloy is your character, 
But in Horizon Forbidden West, you do recruit companions for this base that you basically form. It's almost like smack dab in the center of the map. And I, it, it, it feels like a very, very, very light version of like a Bioware RPG. Um, and I did not know this existed. I don't know if any of you knew this either, but like one of the characters you sort of make your companion is Varl. And then there's Erend from the first game. He's the big hammer guy, if you remember correctly. Uh, then you, you recruit some of the new um, characters in this game. There's Zoe and then there's Alva and, uh, Continent, I think is how you say his name, is a character. He's really cool. He's got one arm. Um, that you kind of like recruit to your base and you can speak with them and like sort of bond with them, but they don't the the reason reason why this is weird is I didn't know this existed. You kind of like these recruit these characters that kind of hang out in this place for you and they show up in the story here and there, but it it kind of feels like um they were like, Oh, people like having companions in games. We should do that and stick them in this base, but I kind of feel like they Besides showing up in the story occasionally, they don't really do a whole lot. It, 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 it doesn't feel, it's not necessarily bad, but it just kind of feels a little bit awkward to me. I don't know if I'm making my point correct properly, where you, these, you meet these characters, you kind of recruit them, and then they just sort of sit there. Um, I kind of so. have seen that in enough games now that I almost am like, I don't, it's not inherently bad. I just think I'm, I'm personally bored of it, of having like, here is the hub zone where you upgrade and add new like workbenches or companions or little Mary, Mary, that's not the right word. Those little things that you store your armor or weapons or, cause I remember, uh, this is a bit of a weird tangent, but I was playing that Baldur's Gate sequel interqual that beam dog made. Uh, what was it called? Yeah. Uh, dragon spear. Yeah, that one. And, it does that that whole Bioware thing where you have like your forward camp, and this is where all your companions hang out. Where if you haven't played the original Baldur's Gate, in the original Baldur's Gate, it's kind of like the opposite direction. Where if you replace a companion, <laughs> they just they just stay sit where you left where you leave where them. you left where you leave them. So it's like the opposite, where they don't have like a hometown that they return to. They just literally stay where you've left them. Uh, so that's I'm not so that's, funny. Anyway, the, the thing is, is I was playing the Siege of Dragon Spear, and I remember feeling like, oh, this feels weird. This feels modern, but like not in a good way. This feels like, a, but I don't know. And it's not inherently bad. And I like that people like that collectathon y kind of nature to it. Like, oh, I'm going to fully upgrade my hub and my base and get all the companions or whatever. Uh, but then it just, when it's shoehorned into, not, I don't want to say shoehorned because I haven't played Zero uh, Forbidden West, but it just feels like, oh, people like this, right? We'll put it in our game. Like, yeah, it, it just like it feels like a nothing almost. Like it's not a bad thing, and you, you don't even the base does slightly change over time. But it's you're not like it's not due to anything you're doing other than just like proceeding in the main story. It's not like if you do this event, you get this new thing at your base. At least not to any significant extent. But it just it feels like a big nothing. Like oh, why is this here? Uh, I don't know. Uh, by the way, the character I mentioned before is Kotalo. He's cool though. Um, but uh yeah it's just one of those things that i just like i didn't know it existed when i got to that point in the game i was just kind of like huh okay sure <laughs> how do you feel now that this is your first ps5 game do you now believe in the next generation of games oh um so i mostly play on pc um now the original horizon i did play on ps4 one nice thing about this version and i'm sure the the eventual pc version of this will also have it like if you fast travel from one end of the map to the other, it it is pretty darn quick. It's like four or five seconds. 
uh, like three to five seconds to like load in like all, all the way across the map. Where I definitely know the original game was on the PlayStation Four was not that. So if you get a, basically there are loading times are compl- are very very manageable manageable. So thank you for the power of the PS 5s SSD. By the way, this game is also on PS4. I should. There's that the cool dual sense things. That's oh, so this is my first PS5 game, uh-huh. and there are there are points in the game where you press one of the triggers to like pry open a door, and that's also how you do like your pole caster or in places. Um, but um, the first time I was prying open a door, uh, I thought my like trigger was broken. I'm like, why is this so hard to push down? I'm like, oh wait, that's probably this adaptive sense thing. Like I, it was just you know giving me a lot of uh, yeah. like like uh, resistance, and I thought it was just like is my button broken? Like I just got this, I haven't even used it. And I'm like oh no, that's how it's actually supposed to work. And <laughs> if you think that is trippy, Adam, you need to play Returnal. That game is like the perfect example for the for the dual sense, and especially like the adaptive triggers. Just crazy I, it's, it's been really interesting too because I've I've had a buddy go through Gran Turismo Seven. And he's like, for some, in some cases, because he usually plays Grand Turismo games on the wheel, but he's like, in some specific cases in that game, he prefers playing it on the controller, the way it handles, like, uh, the dual sense uh, to emulate, like, the you know, traction against the road. And that he's like, he's like, he's really impressed with the way they implemented it in that game. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on Horizon Forbidden West. I'm glad we were able to get it mentioned and give it its due diligence on the podcast and it will be, you know, we'll talk about it later this year to see how we feel about it. Uh, and we'll see if other people get around to it before the end of the year stuff. I don't know, like if based on the previous release, it'll be a while before we see it on PC, but I do also have a PS five, so maybe I will try it out. Uh, but looking at all the releases that are filtering in, filtering into later in the year, I don't know if there's, it's, there's no such thing seemingly as a good time to like wait to fill in a game because something else well, is always coming out. It seems like we're going to have a little bit of a quiet period for RPGs in the next like couple of months before the summer. But then like we just got two new Square Enix games announced, spoiling the early, later parts of the podcast here. It's like, oh, these are coming out this year, too. OK, yep. Stuff like that, where it's like, oh, I guess I got to earmark time for these. At least one of them, you know, even if you're not interested in both. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so one game that was a new release that we talked about last week was Triangle Strategy. And we were able to talk about the review that Colin put up for us. And then Josh was able to talk about his early time with the game. Uh, I do. This was our most anticipated game and I voted for that and I am wanting to play it, but I just haven't had time. Uh, So I figured we'd at least mark a little time here to revisit it. because I know that Josh has been playing quite a lot of it over the last week. And I know Chow, I I believe Chow has also started it. And just when I wanted to hear like your continuing thoughts as you uh, have worked your way through triangle strategy and have you finished it yeah i finished my first playthrough clocked in around 44 hours i went down with the, the, the three paths like the morality ending or the morality route um it's a i had a lot of uh, fun time it does remind me of like a ps1 era strategy rpg but like in a good way like the way it handles like uh mission design and encounter design like there's like all there's every single main story mission in that game will have you kind of Thinking about how you want to get through it, and if you're if you're the sort of person that's like, I gotta try to get through this like a deathless, you know, uh, good luck. It's it's one of those uh, games where, unless you're playing on the easiest difficulty, like I just play on normal, and even normal is like there are definitely gonna be times where I'm just like I have to learn to like let go of this unit because 
their sacrifice in, the, in this mission will get me to my overall goal. Uh, there's no like permadeath, though, right? That's, that's there's, yeah, there's no, yeah, there's no permadeath. There's no penalty for you know having and, a person fall in battle. The, the only penalty is like, oh, any experience points they could have gotten in this uh, henceforth, uh, you know, obviously are forfeit uh, on that because they're not there. Um, also, 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 just their general utility in the battle. Yeah, like, but the, 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 yeah, and there, there are ways, you know, to like, you know, there'll be maybe some accessories like the resurrection earring. I only have like one of those, but that that lets them revive once for battle and like some very uh like maybe one or two characters that have like a trait that lets them revive once in battle but uh, like other than that um i think there might be also like a spell or two that can allow that but it, ta- it takes a lot of like uh tp or like the action points in that game um but overall i enjoyed my my time with it uh i remember uh i think a few of you i think it was james chow and i th- think it was you adam who was watching me do like the final mission in the my morality route and, yeah, was, and you misunderstood I, the objective yeah so like i made that way harder than, than it was for myself not to spoil anything about the context of it but the mission itself was it took place like in front of this waterfall there's like a long bridge and like there in that in that mission there are like three npcs that are it's sort of like are like you have to escort them in the sense that like you have to make sure none of them Fallen battle, or else it's a instant fail. Uh, and so it was very late for me, and I was like, I was already feeling, feeling sleepy. This was, like, it was like, it was like, it was like past midnight. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. I was like, it was like two in the morning at least. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I just want to get this game done because I'm just, I'm already here. So let's just get into it. And for some reason, I, I read the objectives and I'm like, okay, I understand what I have to do. And for some reason, I just totally just forgot my brain just stopped working because i thought the objective of that mission was to escort these npcs to like the marked region because you know like in srpgs you'll have those missions of escort missions of like oh you got to get these people out of here evacuate them and then you know a mission completion when you get that even you fulfill that condition like it happens all the time with strategy rpgs i was yep. like i just you know and then i'm just like okay well then it's like trying to like figure out ways to like get them through that because the end the ai is like so annoying like they have low movement and one of the, the, AI, the go for it the ai have a low they they do not care for their self-preservation yeah like one of the ai has a healing ability which is a curse on me because um they, this ai would always if they like feel like anyone within a hundred miles of them is like slightly has a scratch on them they're like oh shit i gotta get over to them and then heal them it's like no please just continue worry about yourself please yeah just continue over (laughs) to the objective and like this ai just like would always just like oh no i see that you're missing one health point let me go heal that and move backwards like no what are you doing (laughs) so um like it's so frustrating to the point that like for one one attempt one early attempt uh at the mission the i literally i only had like maybe three or four people left and like the ai was almost the finish like they're like maybe like two more steps into like the zone and what they did instead was instead of like going to into the zone they were like oh let me go heal your people and then go out it backwards into the open away from everyone else right in front of the enemy line of sight where i could be hit and then they did that and then they got themselves killed and then it's like and then it's like 
you folded. I'm like, fuck. And then you realize you didn't, so didn't need to do any of that. Yeah, and then I look at the mission objective again, and the mission objective is like, just kill the boss. Just kill the mean enemy commander. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm fucking stupid, and my brain can't work. I no longer have a brain at this point. So. I think the reason why you you fought that way, I guess it's the last boss had like a ton of HP, and you and it was like surrounded by tons of enemy units. You like your brain's probably processing, man. This is way too hard. Then, so you probably just thought maybe I just need to escort the NPCs to win. That's probably yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah maybe. But then, but then, like once I saw that objective, it like maybe took me another one or two tries. I forgot, but yeah, like I was just like, all right, we're gonna. Fucking straddle up, have a very light escort unit to make sure my NPCs are safe, or you know, they're safe enough. While everyone else is like li- literally just my dudes and like four spellcasters, just ready to fucking lay waste to the enemy army, just with no. Just, and then when the when the commander was uh, like isolated themselves from the rest, I'm like, we gotta jump on this. We gotta do this. It's now or never. <laughs> and it got pretty close because like it got to the point where my escort unit for the NPCs were wiped out. And like the NPCs are just kind of de- like had to fend for themselves for a, like a very brief bit, and I was like, if I don't do this now, then one of them is gonna get killed, and then it's gonna be a game over there. So it was a pretty intense final battle uh, or final mission. It, it was, but there's like that's one of the consistent things about the game is like the main story missions are always gonna be testing you in uh, different ways. I, I really like the mission design in that game. Um, and just like the the overall variety of the levels, uh, uh, that, that's good. I I always don't I don't like when the levels are always just like here's a square map, defeat the boss. Uh, so yeah, it's good the, to hear that there's a lot of variety. Yeah, in terms of the objectives varied. and the environments. Yeah, and then there's like a, another one where like you're like in a in a long cavern, and then there's like a whole minecart um, aspect to it, where you can like uh, you know ride around the minecarts and anyone in the tracks get like. Takes damage. The really cool thing about that also is like what I realized is like that that the the railways for those mine carts are also um, affected by electricity. So if like you put a uh, if you put down a spell on any one of those tiles, it'll affect the whole track that it, it, it's uh it's routed on, and then anyone who's in that way, you know, gets affected by the electricity as well. So you know there are, there's definitely a, a lot of ways to play around uh, with that, and with some maps that have interactive elements like that. Um, who is your favorite character in terms of like pure utility, like not story, not story wise at all? Just like in battle, there's like your. MVP. I think I think I like. I really like uh, the the main archer you get is really good uh, because she's on her our chocobo, and so she has like <laughs> really high movement and can like scale up buildings very easily on her own without the need of like a ladder or anything. So she can just like take like. The spot on like on top of like a high roof rooftop and like and since uh she's on, like, on a high high yeah, high elevation her range increases uh for that but i don't like about her she has like low accuracy uh for like her basic attacks which is annoying but you know um trying to think what else i really like the the clown girl as well oddly enough she has like low attack power but she has a lot of gimmicks to her like she can send out a decoy that can act as like a secondary tank and like gets waste enemy turns, and then eventually that decoy, if like an, uh, if it like if it goes to h uh, uh it's uh, hp goes to zero, like it'll just explode and do AOE damage to any enemies around it, and then you can start like playing around with it uh more where she gets like an ability where she can swap places with the decoy, and she also has like a an ability where she can like 
uh, mimic an enemy ability, the, the last enemy ability that's been done. So she can actually like effectively be like whatever she you need her to be for like a brief amount of time. Like say a spellcaster just did like a powerful ability. It's like oh, I want to copy that ability uh, for her and then use it elsewhere. So she's a pretty good utility character. Um, there, there's another one that might become my favorite if I uh, take the time to experiment with him. Like I just barely recruited this character that like has like time manipulation uh, to it, which is he he seems really cool with the way that like he can basically like reverse turns for a lot of uh, yeah, those those sort of like auxiliary characters that aren't really like damage dealers. Sometimes it can take a while to like figure out how to play with them, but then they can be really nifty if you figure yeah, that out. Yeah, they they have like the calculator class from FFT in this game, like through like an automaton barrel thing. Like it's just like literally, like, literally the character's eyes is a barrel with like uh, with like arms and a leg. I'm like, oh, all right, and uh, the and its abilities are like, oh, it its abilities are all like huge AOE, uh, almost like encompass the whole battlefield. But it'll only affect uh, enemies of certain like HP multiples. Like it'll have an attack for all enemies that have an HP multiple of three, four, or five, uh, and so forth. And they all have different uh, uh, like you know effects to them. So like if you do one, this will slow all the movement of the people that it hits. Uh, while another one might uh, might be like it'll do a heavy damage all it hits uh, and have a chance of instant death, but only if there are certain HP multiples. Uh, and and it's like in the field that it's in so like if you're really really good at like calculating damage formulas and how much like damage you're actually doing to enemies relative to their hp you can actually like say line up hp totals uh for the for his ability so like say you got every like five enemies to like an hp total or hp multiple of five you know you'd use a bit this ability and now has like for each and any of those units that like is targeted it has a, a chance to instant kill them as well so that that's a really interesting like it's an interesting character that's like you have to really have a big brain to work around but <laughs> not a, but i i appreciate that like you know there's there's a lot of um variety to the type of units it has in this game um mm-hmm. yeah but now i'm like maybe a few hours into new game plus because i, I want to explore another route there because there is a golden route in this game um but the the gritting I, my I teeth, the, gritting my teeth. I know, I know. I hear, I hear the stop, way that stop the gold putting golden paths in your branching narrative challenge. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I I hear the the way that the golden uh, path is um is structured. It is more um it is preferable to uh, play that on a new game plus type scenario because the way it's structured, it's like it's pretty tough if you're doing it on the uh, for a very first playthrough. And obvious, obviously. The like the way to get to it is like obscure enough that like you know I, like there are to follow guides a guy or get yeah. really lucky yeah or yeah and get very lucky to like just stumble onto it somehow um, so I I, I kind of want to see that and see how that uh, plays out but even then like it it has incentives to get like you know see all the routes because every single path has like an event I mean, a route exclusive character so you know my path there's a certain character that's not available in any other path because of how events laid out in that route and then that's that holds true for all the others so if you really want to get all the characters in this game it'll be four playthroughs minimum all the paths minimum yep um so you know if, if you really want to see everyone there uh, new game plus is really interesting because well what, what i really liked about the game you know going into it was i played it my own own way and there are 
you know, in the in the demos that uh, have been co- coming out for this game, there's like uh, a voting mechanic where the story branches, and then like it, it's all dictated by this uh, item called the Scales of Conviction. And how this works is that everyone in like the main cast, like the cast of like seven to eight characters, um, has like a token that they can put on the Scales of, of Conviction to like vote for one way or the other of like what they feel. Uh, they want to do or what is the right path and yeah it's up to you like if you want to take a certain way you have to convince all the people who are opposed to that to to it to like kind of sway them over and persuade them like hey we should really do this and here are the reasons uh, my reasons uh why i think we should do this and the, it's really cool how, how the game kind of plays with expectations around that because uh, at some points when you're doing before the vote, you can go explore the city or town, and like you can go, you can go uh, get kind of like talk to NPCs, like your residents in like the the house that you're in, uh, and like think about like their perspectives, like what do you think about this situation, you know, and uh, like what are your thoughts on it, and kind of get like uh, get additional information before you come to uh, before you try to persuade the other people so you go around like the your town and sometimes they like uh, talk about like certain details that you weren't privy to uh going into this and that'll be like a keyword it's kind of like final fantasy 2's keywords um so you kind of get new information and you light into it and then you go back into the into the vote and when you're talking with some people um there's usually like two dialogue options but sometimes there'll be a, a third dialogue option that was previously locked that'll like unlock because you got the keyword for it and that and the nice thing is that's not always the right answer to, to to persuade them a lot of a lot of the time that third response is kind of a trap to like like you think that you you think that's the right answer because you unlocked it right it's uh, very gamey to be like this is the new information this has got to work but it's actually like no you already had the information needed to convince this person yeah exactly and like you just and and the way you kind of um try to persuade people to that side is to um think about their personality think about their values think about like you know what like like say um roland for example like the, there, there's a certain point like in the very very first demo that happens to like his mentor and like when thinking about like what to do moving forward yeah like you could use the option that like you unlock through a keyword and that's talking about like say like you know the resources of another nation and like how that can be beneficial for you when really you don't really need to do that with him because he doesn't really care about that at the moment he's more uh, he, he cares more about like you know what happened to his mentor and like the uh, uncertain fate of his mentor at a certain point and then you're so it, in that case it would be more wise to lean into that angle of like okay think about what your mentor would have wanted uh and that you know that's playing into like what he cares about at that time so that's really interesting that like a lot of those unlockable things are fake outs so but it every every dialogue option that isn't like the voting like when you're out there out on the town uh like talking with people and like picking between like the like how you respond to them and their worries um you're you're notified early on that like the the main three tenants are utility morality and liberty but you don't know which the option is which is certain. you can like read into it and like kind of get like okay this seems more like it represents liberty this looks 
sounds like it's more or, uh, of a moral choice uh, the, the way this uh, option sounds but you don't really know for certain um and that's kind of how how it shapes your path um i kind of like that i i i have seen some people criticize that it's a little bit obscured and not completely transparent in that sense but i kind of like it i, I, I like it I, I like it rather than just what? telling you like outright like this option is the utility option exactly yeah. so like that but that like that that's only effective on your first playthrough and i think that's really smart yeah. to do it like that like do that on the first playthrough but in new game plus that's when all the gamey stuff is like surfaced like the curtain is revealed uh and it's just it's lifted and like uh, every choice in like new game plus and so on after your first playthrough it'll say by the choice this is utility this is morality this is liberty and all the options all the dialogue that says sarah noah's convictions have been strengthened like you know that you're affecting one of those but you didn't know which now in new game plus it actually shows you oh you picked the utility option utility plus 50 or you pick the liberty option liberty plus 10 and like and and, and it like throughout your first playthrough like in battles it'll show like during certain battle uh, certain battles that like sarah noah's convictions have been strengthened and you're like oh that's weird like why is it doing that but like you learn in new game plus that certain specific actions in battle like affect those very slightly so if like you use like an attack item um you you gain this like a liberty for example liberty plus one or if you sell a certain amount utility plus one so it really just lifts the curtain on like every action that you're doing slightly affects these and then uh, and all the decisions that you're making like affects them even more so. I do have another and, question about like battle decisions. Like in this in one of the demos, uh, it's a, so it's, it's it was in a demo that's been out for uh, like a year now. So not really a spoiler. You have like yeah. your one of your bases is going to be attacked, and you learn that you can trap the enemy by burning houses. Mm-hmm. But there, but there was. I remember, like, I challenged myself during this demo to beat the battle without using any of the traps, without burning any of the houses. And there was actually like additional dialogue that would play if you manage that does the game have like more of that where it has like stuff specific to the actions you took in battle even if it doesn't have like a route selection tied to it so i don't know like how the other routes take it but like for my playthrough or my route that i chose there was no other battle um that like that Hmm. specific battle mechanics like that of like oh try not to use this mechanic or like this uh certain thing that has like you know it, it feels bad when you use it in the context of things but in the, in the route that i chose i never found another battle that was like that on like whether you chose to do uh, ch- use those traps or not in battle from i kind of figured when i was playing that like okay this is probably a very specific thing that they're highlighting in the demo because it is kind of neat but i i wasn't actually like i'm not surprised to hear you say that it's not widespread yeah yeah th- there's definitely not a lot of those if there are more of those um so i i do wonder about that as well if there's anything like other thing any other battle like that whether it's a route exclusive thing or not um but I, I, like i do know that like whether you choose to uh you, you do choose to use that or not does affect some things in the way that your the the route selection that you have um but yeah i think i think it's a really smart like kind of game design decision of like obscuring those mechanics early uh just a first playthrough because i think Part of the charm of the first playthrough of this game is like just go with what you think seems interesting and like eh, and don't worry about it know, whether it's optimal or golden yeah. or whatever. Yeah, you, you live with your consequences and like it's cool to see how that manifests because like 
it, it's one of those things that I know a lot of like uh, some people have been kind of uh, this really turns them off and like but it surfaces in the new game plus like your utility morality and liberty points for your character after you can like start recruiting characters in new game plus and you can start like seeing like what your exact values are that are in that because for the optional recruitable characters to encounter them you need to like meet certain thresholds in those um each three of those to like start like even like get the opportunity to recruit them but the way that like voting works in this game is that if you have been going the liberty choice for example for a good chunk of your playthrough whether you know it or not like because you just think that that those options are more appealing to you but then when you try to go uh later on say that like you've been advocating like you know war crimes here and there and then all of a sudden at like a late uh, point in the game you're like oh i want to do the moral thing of course people are not gonna support that like oh now you want to do the moral thing after like you have so much blood on your hands uh and uh, like it'll be very hard if not near impossible to like convince them to go that because you've been going uh you've been uh, heading down a certain path all that time uh you know because of the way that you, you know your whatever mindset or uh, line of thinking was i do like the edit. idea of having like moral momentum where it's just like you can't yeah, just, rather just than like a bunch of choice. isolated rather yeah. than just a bunch of isolated choices where it doesn't matter like one to the next like yeah oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah to me that, that i like that for, for like, i've been here for like you know from some people are like you know out there about the game it's like like i don't like that like my decisions have consequences essentially of like of course you're not like it, it makes sense in the context of the game that like like you can do you can't do a u-turn on like what like, like you're you wanted to do you know you unless you got like barely enough like points behind the scenes to, like convince people to go do a u-turn along with you in that so, so uh, consequences. Clearly, this is uh, truly an RPG, as we've decided. Unlike, there, are, there, uh, are, there are definitely like the the way that uh, the final branching paths split out. It's certainly like I'm very interested to see. Like I, I, I eventually want to get to a point in this game. It's not immediately, of, of course, but I want I do want to see all those endings because I'm so curious to see how those play out. I, I think it's one of those games that's just like it kind of deserves it to me uh because it they done they done a lot to like make me interested in like how the characters uh respond to certain situations and like how routes play out i think the story itself is like good enough for like to to accommodate what you're doing but it's not like the most it's a it's not it's like the most stellar political drama but it's like compelling enough um to see how those uh alternate futures uh would play out and i think like the the core cast itself like they're they're not all amazing. They're not like all top of the line, uh, well realized characters. But they're as an ensemble, they're they're pretty good. Like I but, also think there was a big problem with the cast. I think I tried it in English, and I could see why people didn't like it too much. Yeah, I played the Japanese VA because I tried playing the first English. I mean, the first demo in English, and I was like, I'm not really too sold on these uh this English voice cast. But in uh, for not not to say that the Japanese voice cast is like miles better, I, I I'm just more accustomed to that uh like sort of political drama like the way that they presented in this game, and like but there are some like later scenes that are like really really good with, with the Japanese voice cast, and I wonder if that's how it is in the English version as well. I have no idea, but there are some like really good moments. It's like oh okay man, that's awesome. I I just think it's Benedict's fault. It just sounds like this guy's just reading the script. It's like, oh, 
you are must take the Lord. You must do this. It's like, oh my god, Can we. Ah, uh, I just hate it when like, the main character gets like so much screen time and and the the voice isn't good. It kind of puts you off, you know. How yeah, so? How yeah. is the um balance? Like this has kind of been like a elephant in the room thing for this game. How is the balance between like? You know, you hear a lot of hyperbole where it's like there's there's two hours of dialogue for every fifteen minutes of, of gameplay. Like, how is the balance between exposition think, and gameplay? I think it's very very top heavy. Like it's like very beginning heavy. Like even on my new game plus, like even then, like just establishing everything, I think still takes way too much time. Um, I get why they do it. It makes sense in the context of it, but I still think it's like it's a really really slow early on once things get rolling and once you start getting the second half of the game like there are still a, a lot of story scenes but like I, I, but the way I, I i play that game i also play the, the optional uh mis- challenge mission so like i i'm more exposed to the gameplay that like one might might would be just like just main story pathing it like there's still a good chunk of it but it it, it evens out to like maybe 60 40 in my opinion all right, uh, so get you get to get through that first hump, and then it ends up being not quite so uneven. Yeah, because because, because like missions don't take like child like uh, stages don't take forever, but what's there it really has you thinking like moment to moment what you're going to be doing next because like enemies uh, on normal and I, I imagine even more so on hard like are just generally threatening. You're never you're never going to go into a scenario where like you can bum rush like uh, stages that are like. Uh, equal level or higher level than you. It's never going to be like a breeze in the park. It's always going to be, oh, these enemies are dangerous. I have to think about like how to spread aggro among my allies and think about how to keep like my squishier people safe because some of those people will go down in one shot if they get a, 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 a nice position and critical on you while there's like other other enemies on the adjacent side ready for follow-up attacks. And um, so it's like, it's just so threatening um, with the way stages are designed. At times in that game where you have to really push yourself to think about how you want your characters to synergize against certain scenarios and like it's very versatile in the way it does it too like there's not like a one strategy beats all because of the of the situations that you find yourself in so and, and like in like there will be some stages that like i use characters like I go out of my comfort zone. There's never like a like a, a central squad that I'm rolling with. I'm sure you can if you really want to, but for me, I like to spread levels around my characters. So I'm I push myself to use unconventional characters for, and then I I find like really unconventional tactics that um that kind of uh emerge from like just like the adversity of the situation. So that I I really like playing around with that system and seeing how characters you know make use of one another because everyone like no one's always going to be like interfacing with the enemies there's a lot of like prep work that you can do uh to to really make your turns count against enemies so this is on the normal difficulty yeah i actually really like that that it sounds really like you got to have a a head on your shoulders in order to like uh, it's it's good that it's on the normal difficulty that it has that expectation like all right we understand that players playing this are likely coming from other strategy games and we'll have some basic understanding of general tactics and things like that but also has the easy mode if you need it yeah it has that like very easy and easy if you really want to tone, tone it down um then th- those options are are there and you can always toggle them at any time um outside of battle um 
yeah, but I, I think I think it's a really really good game. Um, I also I just, think I also think it's kind of unfair to always compare a game to Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna compare. It's like if there's an RPG that ever comes out, we're always gonna compare it to Final Fantasy VI or something. It, it feels kind of unfair, you know, because they're like the holy grails of tactical RPGs, right? So it's very unfair to say that. Yeah, I mean that, but that that's the weird thing because like it it the of Square Enix like releasing like a strategy RPG like for the first time in like how many years like it's kind of sets itself up for that. I like I appreciate it for being its own thing, but I can definitely understand like it also like invites comparisons to it because this this fucking game has a calculator class. So <laughs> you say it brought yeah. it upon themselves. So, so I, I like like. It's like expected in a sense, right? Because the, you don't, you don't, you don't put like a one-to-one thing in here, like without paying homage. So I mean, it's not. It's like it's kind of a. It's it's not really people's faults for like comparing this to like, you know, old strategy RPGs because that's what they remember. And when 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 you put out a new game, you think about like, oh okay, like it's it's okay to appreciate for what it is, but for other like a good chunk of people, it's like okay. The, like, how does this compare to like the the games that I really like? You know, I, I I hope it's as good as those, if not better than those. You know, like we the, this game does not exist in a vacuum, whether we like it or not. Because um, strategy RPGs, especially like uh, like more realized ones, especially coming under uh, being published by Square Enix, is like a dime a dozen these days. Like you don't really see it that often, so it just invites that of like, oh, okay. When I think about other Square Enix strategy RPGs back then, what do I remember? And like. A lot of the mechanics in this game, it's that this game doesn't exist without tactics or good Final Fantasy tactics. This triangle strategy doesn't like magically like invent all of these things. It's like a refinement of things that came before it. I think that's natural and that's okay. You know, not, not to say that every strategy RPG. It's not like I compare Super Bowl Wars to uh, FF Tactics. You know, that's like those are two separate things. But Super Bowl Wars is. A long-running series. So what? I, what I do? I what do I compare with SRW with older SRW games? You know, and that's and uh, my and SRW games like aren't seen in a vacuum. You know, moving forward, they're always going to be uh, older SRW games. Always going to be thought of when playing uh, newer SRW games because it's it's one of those things. Like, what does this thing? Uh, what does it do new? What does it do different? And it's not like ah, this invented everything about SRW. You know, you know what I mean. I got you. Yeah, and for Triangle Strategy, since it's a new IP, you can kind of compare it to other HD 2D games, I guess. But that's those play very differently, so people are going to go back to what they know, and people know Final Fantasy Tactics and yeah. Tactics Ogre or Fire Emblem, maybe or something like that. Yeah, it's like 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 Elden Ring, for example. Like, well, it's not like people are like ah, Elden Ring. Like invented everything the Souls games have. have been. It's like and people constantly think about Demon Souls, Dark Souls one through three, Bloodborne. Like thing like Elden Ring does not exist without all the other things that came before it. That is true, but there's also one last thing I want to mention about it. I don't think the story is as ham-fisted as people were making it out to be. I feel it's just like the standard strategy RPG exposition. There's a lot of Stagy RPGs, you kind of just kind of get this big lore dump before you get into the battle. It's and- like a like a play almost, right? Because like like you know, in stage plays, you'll definitely have intermissions of like uh, scene scene start, scene goes through it, scene ends, curtain closes, 
into the next scene. But I think the, the what Color and I were talking about is like, yes, there's ex- exposition in this game. Uh, maybe it's not like it doesn't tell you everything beat by beat by beat. But what we were focused on last week was like, and you'll and you'll encounter this as the game goes on. Is like the narrator, like you'll go through three three story scenes, and after at the end of that, the narrator will be like, "All right, here's what happened in these story scenes," and like it just it breaks that flow of like. Yeah, like I, I understand what happened. It's okay. I, yeah, I, I, I do I, agree that the narrator is the worst part about it. I'll be yeah. like, oh, this this situation has sparked a war later on. It's like, like no shit. <laughs> it's like, god damn it. Thank Shut you, up, narrator. Like the, yeah. like the narrator is okay for like establishing like the very beginning of like, okay, here's the history of this world. There's a salt iron war. It uh, there's these three nations. This is the natural resources that they have, or this is their part. Of, this is how they serve one another in this in this economy like okay world building stuff i get but narrator like literally always be like all right you saw these two story scenes here's what happened this this and this happened and this could and you know we're, we're not on the eve of x happening because of this like yes thank you for connecting the dots for me i could not think for myself so you can't turn off the narrator just like you can't turn off eloy's yeah exactly there you go there there must always be this but i but i really hope you know um it's gonna be interesting now now that you reminded me i really wonder if triangle strategy comes to pc i forgot how bravely default two's end credits were but when uh james and james especially was was looking out for this uh during the end credits of triangle strategy there's a lot of involvement and coordination from nintendo's end in those end credits so like there were multiple branches of Nintendo involved in this project in coordinating it, so I was just like wondering, it's like, okay, does this make it to PC at all then? Eventually, well, we we saw the credits, and there was a PC business division, was it? On there? I mean, but 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 like the, this game was like probably made for like on PCs first, you know, not just because you have like a PC division uh, label doesn't mean that it's coming out on PC, like. This has this has clearly been tested on like other machines, on a PC environment first before you know doing it on a, a Switch Dev Kit. So it, it like I'm trying to remember. It, it, do you remember Brian of Ridley Default 2's end credits? If there's like a lot of it, like Nintendo I, involvement, I don't remember. I don't. Rem- I don't. I don't think it did. Okay. But I I just don't like I don't. Remember. Yeah, that was over yeah. a year ago. That was last February. Yeah, I don't really, I'm like, uh, look, I don't remember much either. So, well, nobody reads the credits. So, it's usually I mean, I do. I, I, like, I like going through credits. I, I get excited when I get to the uh, end credits of, a, of an RPG and be like, all right, that's cool. It's, a, it's kind of, or any game, really. I like watching the credits and seeing who worked on it. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just crazy. But yeah, I mean, um, hopefully more people get a chance to try this game out. I think, I think it'll really click with you, Brian and Adam. Yep, it's uh, on my list. I, I think you guys will uh, find it neat. This is a this is a good one of these uh, types of games, and hopefully it comes to other platforms. Uh, and I was really impressed with the demo, so like I like I'm already got a good feeling about it. Trying not to yeah. let the lukewarm general reception uh, color my expectations too much. Yeah, you know it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't even know if I'd say it's like lukewarm. It's just kind of. I, I think. I think it's, it's I, I, not I think, hitting high nineties. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, tactics yeah. Is, I, is here again or whatever. I, I think the the game does have a really, really brutal start uh, for it, though. So 
get your expectations in light of like it's very very uh slow early okay and that kind of covers it for the two games that we wanted to talk about we do have a couple releases in uh middle of march that we will likely be discussing next week before we get into the news section, which is a lot of uh, release dates and, of course, some new information about new announcements coming from last week's State of Play, uh, we did have one new feature on the site. We couldn't avoid Elden Ring entirely this podcast. Uh, Alex Donaldson put up a feature basically saying that after having finished Elden Ring, he can't stop thinking about Dragon's Dogma 2 and basically looking at the parallels between those two games and what he would like to see and not see in a potential sequel to dragon's dogma. Uh, it's a game that we, that anyone that knows Alex knows that it's like near and dear to his heart. And it's something that he's been asking for a while now. And now he's just contextualizing it with the Elden ring angle. And if dragon's dogma two, which hasn't been announced and doesn't exist yet, um, if it can learn anything from Elden Ring, I say it can learn uh, infinite stamina outside of combat. Because if you don't remember, in that game, stamina is used for both casting magic and like sprinting. So like whenever you're like running across the map, you're constantly like having to sprint, stop, sprint, stop, sprint, stop. And I actually, when I played Dragon's Dogma a few years back, I modded it so that it did. Did have in, it did have infinite stamina outside of combat. And of course, there's only a few like flags away if you want to have infinite stamina all the time and just cast all the magic whenever you can do that, but whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's the, I, I thought the same thing when I was going to Elden Ring of like that whole, uh, you can definitely go in the wrong, quote unquote, the wrong direction, meaning like that you'll encounter things high, way higher level than you uh, very easily early on. So I, I definitely think about Dragon's Dogma time here and there when I played through Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, I'm really interested to see like Itano is um, one working on it, probably maybe most likely, who knows? Uh, and two, like if he's maybe looking at Elden Ring and be like, hmm, that's there's a, there are some cool ideas here. Um, obviously, I wouldn't want Dragon's Dogma to change up too too much, um, and you know, go full on Elden Ring, but there's you know the, the sharing notes is cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week back on uh, what was it on Tuesday on Wednesday was the most recent state of play from Sony and PlayStation, focusing on their Japanese partners. So a lot of people were hoping maybe this is when we'll see the Pixel remasters, maybe this is when we'll see Final Fantasy 16, maybe this is when we'll see other stuff. I think some people were uh, expecting news about Forspoken, uh, and spoilers, they were right. But we also got some uh, other announcements that we weren't expecting, some good, maybe some still up in the air. So the first thing I have listed here is a new trailer for a new Square Enix title, the announcement of Valkyrie Elysium launching in this year for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PC via Steam. Valkyrie's back, baby. Woo! And this is a game that obviously (laughs) we... I have not played Valkyrie Profile. I've only played Covenant of the Plume, which is like the ugly stepchild srpg for like the game boy advanced i don't know I why like that's Covenant a little bit of the plume, Covenant of the plume yeah. is pretty good yeah i like coming to the plume uh, to be honest with you i i play all the valkyrie profile games except that one <laughs> so i can't it's not, give you it's any. not bad it's not bad I, I i really like it yeah so uh we've got a new trailer well 
uh, both English and Japanese trailers, about two minutes, basically showcasing the premise of the game, showing a fair bit of combat, showing some story cutscenes. It's in terms of what type of content these are showing. These trailers are pretty comprehensive. Like sometimes when something is first announced, it's like a teaser that's 30 seconds or it just gives you like the loosest idea of what a game is. But this has kind of a good mix of things. Uh, however, the trailer itself is, I, I guess I, I don't know. I don't want to broach this subject. Like Adam, when you saw this trailer, you, I know, have a very near and dear to your heart uh, Valkyrie Profile, the original game. And you think it does some really, really cool things. And we actually have a YouTube video up on our channel from uh, two years ago about it. So what what was your uh, what was your gut reaction to Valkyrie Elysium? So like I'm a big fan of Valkyrie Profile and just seeing the Valkyrie like IP again is exciting. But the very first thing is that this game doesn't look great and I mean that both from like a fidelity level and like an artistic level. It's got this kind of awkward art style to me in terms of it's like semi cell shaded, not a lot of like texture details, but not, it doesn't seem like great Brian artistic really good, either. Yeah, Brian had a really good like example for it. It looks like Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for 3DS. Oh, yeah, yeah not, uh, Super Smash like, Brothers 4 for 3DS. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah do, my, my it does this thing, it does this thing with the characters, they're like low res with a big black outline, and it almost looks like a pop up book or something. And that's what the models in this Valkyrie Elysium trailer look like to me, which are uh, which is which that that style on its own is not inherently bad. I think it made more sense for a 3DS because you're like, okay, it's got limited processing power. Here's a way to have slightly lower like technical fidelity. It's like, okay, I guess they're doing that here too. That's fine. But then the environments look like uh, so I am not a game developer, so this statement might be a bit ignorant, but it looks like kind of like a dev toolkit, like an engine prop setting like okay this is a this is a generic unreal castle environment that you can use to test your animations in that's kind of what it comes across to me as a layperson where it doesn't look like it fits the tone of the game it looks like the enemy the character and enemy models were just kind of like transplanted from whatever software was used to generate them into this yeah, environment so and they yeah, don't fit together like, uh, yeah let's uh, let's back it up and say like you know this game does not use the valkyrie profile fight, fighting system the combat yeah. system this is a third-person action RPG, um, much like Dragon Guard Three, almost. You know, I uh, I thought it was Dragon Guard Four, like before <laughs> they announced the title. I was like, this looks jank. This looks like the graphics are kind of eh, like late PS3, maybe, and it's being published by Square Enix, so maybe, maybe we're here, Dragon Guard Four, and then they're, then you hear the Sakuraba soundtrack, and like they hear. Uh, talk about like the way they talk Valkyrie. about like, yeah Valkyrie. They literally like, say Valkyrie. Yeah, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> and it's like, um this is well so okay. I, so let, for let, someone let, who's super is, intimate with the Valkyrie profile IP, do we know who this protagonist Valkyrie is? There's no obvious no. connection to the other games here. So in the in the Valkyrie profile series one and two, there are three Valkyries, Lanneth, Silmaria, and uh Hrist. And like they have very, they're very, they're very well defined in terms of both who they are and what they look like. Like we see two Valkyries in this trailer. There's like the one you play as, and there's like one at the end, but they don't look like anyone we know. 
none of the other characters like there's no we don't see odin we don't see freya i did like, i did see some games. people say like well at least the trailer had hurst like is that just wishful thinking or people mm. pulling at straws that, or what that character uh, at the end doesn't look like chris to me like it doesn't but people probably assume because of the black armor and these days you know maybe people just want to fit in that I mean, diversity card i don't know I'm trying to switch character to a black character i don't know i mean it happens but, in movies but yeah like the hair is different it just i mean maybe it's like a redesigner of Christ. that's possible but it just doesn't look like what she looks like in the games yeah. like even the armor is different so mm. it, yeah it, it, who knows like it, it wouldn't make much sense to me either but you, know, you never know I, um, I was trying to think of a different comparison does anyone yeah. remember the daredevil movie where they got mike and duncan clark as the kingpin I was like, I was maybe, 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 wow. this, but no. maybe, yeah, maybe that's the I, same I, I, reaction. To remember, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. I, I sort of remember. I, I was trying to th- I think of a more recent example, and like there is, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Of like, where they actually just like, like, like change like a returning character's like ethnicity out of nowhere. And like, it's happened recently, but I can't remember which where where I remember this from. Like, exactly was a Witcher? Isn't isn't there a Resident Evil something or other where they're gonna have like a black Albert Wesker? I, 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 definitely, there's Resident Evil that does have that. I think, uh, or the like Death that. Note. I think L was black, wasn't it? it? It could be that, but you know that. But those those weren't the examples. But the Resident Evil one that, that does strike out to me as well. Now that you reminded me, yes. Yeah, so I think that could be for us. That, that's me. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But the thing is, I, I to me, it feels like sounds like. I really want to see Chris because that was the game we never got. So I'm going to say, well, maybe this must be her, but they just changed her uh, entire look. It just feels like really like wishful thinking kind of like, but I don't know if that's a good thing either. Cause her, I, I always remember that she was the evil Valkyrie out of the free Valkyries. Like she's always, she always done something evil. Technically, up, child, you're saying this, uh, this, this Valkyrie that we didn't, we don't that barely got two seconds of screen time at the end uh, is evil. I don't know, man. Oh, we don't. We don't even know if it's the Valkyrie we, we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, one thing we didn't mention is that this game is not being developed by Triace, who developed Valkyrie profile games. It's being developed by Soleil. It, and if you've never heard of Soleil, like I have never heard of Soleil, uh, they have done like Ninjala and Naruto to Boruto, Shinobi Striker, and a few other games. There's like, what is it? Evil Dead? Not Evil Dead. Oh yeah, they did the Samurai Jack game. So it's like a few games that I've... Mm-hmm. And you're going to say... Of, that otherwise, the... I haven't played any of them. Yeah, that, yeah there's a weird one. Square Enix always does that. Square Enix always does that. Square Enix is very outsource heavy these days. They barely, hardly ever fucking work internally uh, on projects anymore. But there's such a weird one to like hand off to... Like Not to say that... like. So they might not, you know, maybe this one's going to be like a banger, you know, for out of nowhere. But this is one of those weird things that, like, you would think the Valkyrie IP would hold, you know, more, it would garner more attention from a higher recognized developer. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows, you know, the, I I share a lot of, like, first impression sentiments with Adam. Like, when I went through this, I'm like, oh, no, this looks... Yeah, it just the, the combat looks kind of weird. It's, there seems to be a a system in place where you have Ein Harryar, and there's like a scene in the trailer where she kind of like summons one and then returns to her. You know, if you're not familiar with Valkyrie profile games or Valkyrie 
mythology in general. Yeah. yeah, they can basically summon spirits of I, the dead. I play too human. I know this mythology. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Uh, so um now in terms of the story, like we didn't get a whole much of one. It was just like you're in the service of a god and you're a Valkyrie, and it's like, okay, yeah, we otherwise don't really know. Yeah, I was actually gonna wonder, like, is there anything outside of the trailer, like in the press release? extra wording the only thing that uh, doesn't the only thing that i don't think we mentioned is that uh, near automata character designer yuya nagai will partner with square enix for this project uh we also mentioned that sakuraba is back doing the composing but that's pretty much it i guess it's yeah, like I, the combat yeah, uses features from across the series such as finishing moves yeah. and combos i don't know the main character also doesn't have a name. The official description is is that uh, the game's protagonist, the young Valkyrie, who is entrusted with the fate of the world by the All-Father, the highest of gods and the ruler of all creation. She will face various enemies on her quest, blah, 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 to prevent Ragnarok. So it's like, okay, sure, you're a Valkyrie preventing Ragnarok. It's very surface-level stuff right now. Yeah. Um, I th- I we don't even know her name. Yeah, I think like one of the like former Tri-Ace members like, gave their blessing for, for this project, like, you know, in their typical Twitter message letter. Um, yeah, yeah. So you kind of have that, like they acknowledge it. Obviously, they're not uh, uh, involved with it. But then there's like some weird terminology of like, you know, if you want to see more Valkyrie stuff, you know, maybe consider getting this. It's like, oh man, are you telling me? <laughs> kind of holding uh, it hostage, huh? So didn't wasn't there a few years ago like they had a really nice touched up mobile version of Valkyrie profile that never got sent to like Vita or Switch? Yep. No, not, yeah, there's, a, there's a mobile version of yeah, Valkyrie Profile Online. It's the first game. Um and I I kinda I, I kinda wish they would just take it and put it on PC and that's what know, I was thinking. Like just PC it, controls. Put, yeah, but just put it on Steam and like let people enjoy a game that we most likely will think is really good or think really highly of. I yeah, know. I really wonder if this will like spur like efforts to like get the re-release them if like if this sells well question mark. Like I don't know. I have no idea. I I I would have much rather seen re-releases at this point. I even though I bought a new game and we certainly got it, but it's like this has a long way to go to really convince me. Like I, I like Valkyrie Profile and like all those games, so I mean I'll still play it. Um, also just even regardless of like visual quality or whatnot i really like the valkyrie profile like combat system and the first game and the second game they're they're slightly slightly different flavor of the same sort of combat system which is a turn-based system um it's if you're not familiar valkyrie profile is like turn-based but there's you know uh they stole the idea from persona 5 and had buttons attached to different characters (laughs) um (laughs) joking but um they uh it's it's a really neat system that that honestly some games have tried to emulate to not so much success yeah Yeah, yeah, indivisible try to try to to do that with that exist archive yeah i haven't played that (laughs) yeah it's it's okay it's okay but but um, um and also just like i really like the ein harriar stories in the original valkyrie profile which unfortunately they kind of got rid of in the second one but it's just kind of like I'm curious. Is this if this is just some action RPG? Some even if it's decent, like in the Valkyrie profile skin, I kind of feel like it's that wouldn't have like the same spirit in a way. If it's just yeah. an action RPG, I mean they they yeah, deliberately like 
titled this to be not carry the Valkyrie profile name. It's like this is yeah. like it's I, I guess it's like a, a spin-off of sorts or mm-hmm. like to just kinda you know, the, the, the remember the the, the last uh, Valkyrie thing that did that? Uh, you know, uh instead of uh continuing on with a new game with the with a battle system that people liked, instead they made a, a spin-off with an action RPG twist to it. It was a uh, Valkyria Which... Revolution. Oh yeah. Uh, apparently that uh, is just a cursed. Uh, I don't know, not IP. It's like a cursed reference. They should have called this Val- Valkyrie Revolution. Uh, I'll <laughs> reveal Valkyria a big secret. I'll reveal a big secret. I have written the guide for that game, and there is a total of seven viewers of the entire lifespan of that guide. <laughs> uh, that's me. Well, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> As an aside, Valkyria Revolution is like one of the only games where I skipped every single cutscene. I probably have said this on a podcast in the past, but it's just that presentation of that game is so bad. And pretty much everything about that game is bad. Yeah, so, uh, well, Thanks, Media Vision. <laughs> more on them I saw that name somewhere on the podcast doc. Hmm, maybe we'll revisit that. Like I said at the header, this is due out this year. Sony consoles and PC. Uh, Square is, again, on their very erratic kind of pace. Like They have no rhyme or reason, seemingly, to what consoles they release on and what PC storefront they release on. It's just whatever they feel like. And for this particular game, it's PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Steam. This year, at some point, we don't know a window. Valkyrie's back, baby. The other uh, new Square Enix project that was announced at the State of Play was something that I don't think we were expecting. We didn't have a trademark. We didn't have like hopes and dreams for this because it's a new IP. It is a new tactical RPG called the Dio Field Chronicle. It is a strategy RPG developed by Landcars, published by Square Not Enix. Platinum. Pardon? Not platinum games. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. There, there so, was a lot of there, there was some misinformation information yeah. around uh, early on uh, because the the English website for this game had the platinum logo, and that was probably just like a, a holdover from the Babylon's Fall website because they did Japanese uh, website. It didn't have the platinum logo, and then they are confirmed in the press release by Landcars. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, they probably just borrowed the template and like, whoops, yeah. I forgot to take out the logo. So, yeah. but so uh, the- for this game, I was gonna say I was kind of okay. Then until I find out who who's the main writer of this game, and I was like, I don't right, care so, about this so, at all. All right, some of the details. Uh, it is releasing this year, 2022. No specific time uh, for pretty much everything in this case, uh, including Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series, PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five, and PC via Steam. And it has a new, like, just like uh, the Valkyrie Elysium, it had about a two-minute trailer showing a pretty good mix of story and gameplay. And I guess I'll just take this one. My takeaway from this when I watched it, I watched it later than everyone else because I was busy during the live stream. And when I was watching it, I first said that one of the first things that I took away, obviously, this is a strategy RPG. It has very often a isometric perspective. And it looks kind of like Fantasian in a way, not quite the same art style, but like emulating a diorama style. Because obviously Fantasian actually like composited physical dioramas into the uh, art where here it looks more like straight up CG models. But still, just to be clear, they literally say diorama style like that is intentional. It's not just 
your take on it. It's like what they were going for. So right. So it's and then the the character models are kind of the similar sort of. Uh, I don't want to say that like they're they're low detail and so they're stylized, not chibi quite, but uh, it's not quite chibi, not quite claymation. It's kind of like that, almost like PlayStation One CG render sort of style. They kinda, yeah, they kind of look like action figures almost. Right. Um, the the trailer had some pretty good music. It showed both some direct gameplay uh, on like the like the direct battle gameplay as well as some like resource management, some sort of like war table sort of room. The gameplay system shows some sort of like time component where you can tell your units to like start or stop marching, which suggests that there's some like real time strategy elements to this and not quite purely turn or phase based. And I mean, you're uh, freezing time like Dio. <laughs> And then the uh, the art director is from. Uh, the, let's see, the character art is from. Is it just Taiki? Yeah, I think right. that's kind of pen name. All right, so like a stage name. name. Uh, the, he yeah. did previously done. I'm not familiar with this artist. Uh, previously worked on Lord of Vermilion, who did yep. the character art for this game. While uh, the art director from Final Fantasies 12 and 13, Isamu Kamikuro, Kamiko Kuro, uh, did the concept art. And uh, composers from uh, Game of Thrones are working on the soundtrack. Yeah. So that's yep. actually kind of an interesting thing. I thought this uh, soundtrack was pretty, uh, pretty distinct and pretty interesting and not something I was familiar with. I've not watched Game of Thrones. So it seems like a really cool set of uh, different talents from different places. Like this seems like holy. It's a new IP with a new set of talent behind it. I think this trailer looks pretty neat. But I kind of want to go back to what Chow said. You said as soon as you learned who was writing this, uh, you were no longer interested. So I am looking through the uh, press release here. Who is writing this? Uh, it is the writer from Fire Emblem Conquest and Fire Emblem Heroes and Fire Emblem Birthright and some and of the a bunch of sword art games. games. <laughs> uh, that's not a very good resume, to to be honest with you, because the story in Fire Emblem Conquest is so god awful that you would just want to say that actually puts I, I, I the game yeah, down. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, for a bunch of SAO games or just Fatal Bullet, but that writer is Yu Oshima, and you know the on top of like the three Fire Emblem Fates games and their routes, that's uh, also did Fire Emblem Heroes. So it's like it it doesn't inspire confidence uh right away because all all of the all the previous work this writer has done for games uh don't they don't they're not really well written I would say um especially Fire Emblem Fates and I hear a lot of bad things about Fire Emblem Heroes from a story perspective so it'll be interesting interesting to see how this shapes up and how you know hopefully who knows the way different setting that doesn't have like any sort of like it's not it's not tied to like a big ip like it's not it's not tied to sword out online it's not tied to fire emblem so hopefully like a brand new ip away from all of that with expectations from that maybe we'll uh we'll shake out better at the end but uh, on its face like like the 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 natural talent for this game is like seems to be solid except for like this one aspect of like well who knows at this point, oh, yeah. and, the, and the actual gameplay they they, they showed is interesting because it's not it's not like a strictly like a strategy RPG with tiles. They got rid of tiles. There's like a isometric, and they call it like a real time tactical battle system. Like it seems to be very like uh, fast paced on the fly, um, like not not sort of like strictly action, but it it definitely like looks like uh, a game that's more active than what you would expect from a strategy RPG. I don't actually know if it's like. 
Well, that's it why I said more RTS like, yeah. but I don't know yeah. quite because obviously we don't have a demo. I, I even thought it looked something like real time with pause almost, where it's yeah. like you can control multiple units at once. They all act in real time. I don't know if there's a pause, but yeah, people have uh, uh, like uh, equated it to like something like Growlancer. Yeah. What do they call? Let me look it up here. What do they call it? It's like RTT. I'm, I'm trying to R- think what they call real real time tactical battle system. RTTB. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. I, I I just think it's Fire Emblem chasing after free free houses success, and they got the reject from from their Fire Emblem writers. Uh, who knows? I, I mean, I, I'm into, I, I'm more infinitely more interested in this than like whatever the fuck Valkyrie Elysium was. Uh, yeah, same. And uh, the, I'm also going to note that they gave a lot more details if you want to look into it about story and characters. Like we have like character bios for like the eight. Presumably, eight of the primary characters in the game, including like the one you play as, who is uh, let me pull up. His name is Andreas, and like it goes. There's a lot of details about like the lore. You, this all takes place on like an island called Diofield, and and so on and so forth. There's also like there seems to be like a hub area, something like the monastery in Fire Emblem Three Houses, where you can run around and talk to people. You can upgrade weapons. You can upgrade classes of your characters. There's like a skill system. One I do like how. Uh, sorry, just the, the one of the, as as far as I understand, the basic story premise seems very like uninspired, not necessarily bad, just kind of bland. So there is there is the kingdom of Alatane, the Shovian Empire, and the Roatel Alliance, and basically the kingdom seems, based on the press release, to be positioned as like the sympathetic one. They're on an island that is rich in jade, which both the empire and the alliance are interested in so they're like so it's, it feels very much like fire emblem like crimea or salt iron war and triangle strategy i guess there's maybe only so many ways to set up a a large nation consuming conflict so maybe i shouldn't like nitpick at that too much but i'm like oh i feel like i've read this premise before so three three major powers across this uh continent uh jade is apparently uh, uh yeah it's not salt and iron yeah, I, 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 yeah highly i highly 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 uh recommend reading up adam and andrea's write-up on the news post for this game because they shared a lot more details than i i was even privy to like i'm just scrolling down and i'm like oh wow there's actually like they go like they break down like the exact mechanics of this game uh and like that wasn't like shown off at the live stream or even in the english press release Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I had to gather a lot of this from the websites. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Now, one thing I'm kind of interested. One thing that's sort of interesting to me that I don't see. This does look like it's sort of aping Fire Emblem a bit. And I know people hate when you make comparisons like that. But there is like a movie on the Japanese website where it shows the character running around their base, and it it like screams the monastery to me. Um, it's got like the same viewpoint and perspective and everything, kind of like a hub world in the strategy RPG. But I don't see anything in the press release or in the websites or screenshots about like uh, support conversations. So I don't know if you can romance anyone in this game. Um, it's, if they're trying to chase the Fire Emblem audience, you feel like they should have that, but maybe not. Maybe they're chasing me who doesn't want that shit. And I yeah, just I don't know. They'll think about battles. The thing they're thinking us uh, as fossil Fire Emblem fans. Yeah, exactly. but, uh, I don't know. Fossil fire pants. <laughs> that's an episode title right there. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, I think this looks really neat. Uh, I'm always up for new ideas. That's not in an established IP, and it's got like a um, a diverse team of talent behind it, both from like familiar faces and new ones. And it's got like a unique art style. It's not trying to be like 
something that we've seen before where it's like this is built in the vein of all those 16-bit rpgs that you played back in the day it's like no it's something quite different it looks it look it has a style that it's hard like just describing what it looked like was took a little bit of a took a little bit of pros to get there so i just think this game looks looks unique in both how it looks and how it plays uh, maybe not so much the story but it's hard to judge that too harshly on just a brief synopsis of the premise uh yeah but i think it looks good and i definitely agree that this seems just more interesting than um and m- more more something i want to play compared to valkyrie elysium so both of those games are set for this year. So that's what Adam was talking about. Like, we now have two more games kind of on our list as candidates to, you know, spend our time playing, but we don't know when they're going to land. Like, probably around holiday. Maybe one will appear earlier in the summer. We just don't know. But they're on the list now. So we have to be, I, I guess, ready for them. I think it's kind of funny that I think, a, I think a good number of people expected, like, maybe more Star Ocean news um, because it was revealed in a state of play, and it's like it's coming out this year, so maybe. And then like Square Enix is like, well, no Star Ocean, but here's two more. Yeah, that that, that is weird because like uh, they, like people pointed out uh, right be, right right before the state of play, like uh, whatever. It's like, oh yeah, oh, the PS Star, Star, PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, the PlayStation uh, store listing for Star Ocean: The Divine Force went up, and they can be pre-ordered. And it's like, oh okay, they're gonna share more here. It's like, no, <laughs> where is it? I'm like, what the fuck. <laughs> I guess I just I'm just now thinking that we didn't get any more details on that, and that's due this year too. Yeah. So where was it when we needed it most? D- does that have a date? I don't think it does, right? No. So we have like there's, three there's, semi we have a bunch of games coming out this year. There's those three, and then also there's Forspoken. That's the only one with a date. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll just if we don't have any more topics on the Dealfield Chronicle. I think I might have misspoke. It's not Dealfield Chronicles, it's just the Dealfield Chronicle. Only one chronicle. Yeah, it's only, only one. one. No sequels. And then uh, this is one. This is a game that I think people were kind of expecting from this uh, state of play stream because it's shown up in previous ones. Uh, we got an update with Forspoken. Now, before the state of play, we did um, learn that Forspoken was being delayed from its original May 24th release date back to October 11th. So it's basically falling into that early holiday time frame. So that was already known. It was announced on Twitter. Um, it is still planning to release for both PlayStation 5 and PC on the new October 11th date. And then at the state of play, we got a lengthy new basically kind of gameplay montage trailer. Another, Also about two minutes. Uh, and I, I think the previous times we've spoken about Forspoken on the podcast, we've kind of been lukewarm on it. Mainly because a lot of the story setting, the isekai nature of the protagonist, I wasn't really gelling with. But from my my initial impression from this is that since this is a little bit more combat gameplay focused, I was vibing with this trailer a little bit more just because I'm like, all right, that stuff that I don't really care about is not in the forefront. Just how does this game play as kind of a more magic focus, more spell casting, more mid range combat sort of thing than what we typically see in uh, these action games. So I thought this looked pretty kind of neat. Uh, this was the best showing of the game for me. Not, not like stellar Supreme most hyped game of the year for me, but I think this was the game's best showing in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the the uh, the late October will obviously do them good. Obviously, uh, I never want a game to release to be like super hot and be like, oh shit, we really have to meet deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really, I'm mean, very interested in this how this game shapes up. Like, I, I still don't think the marketing for this game really is where it needs to be to like sway over a lot of people because right now it all feels very barren and like. It, 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 there's like not a lot of, of meat 
so far to like what this game actually has in my opinion like we know it has spell casting but a lot of like the open world gameplay that it's shown like the, the actual open world itself feels very barren and empty it's like what yeah. are we gonna be doing in the open world yeah. there's this one scene existing? in the trailer that shows freya like galloping across like a field with, and it just has like three goblins in it and just kind of i don't know it just it just felt wrong and yeah. especially to me, it's like, well, this is a next-gen exclusive, right? So, like, what's... Nothing they've shown to me seems like something that could only be do... Yeah, can only be done on current-gen hardware. Well, you guys like, are more uh, you guys are more down on this than I was. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it regardless, because like, I'm interested. Um, I don't know but, if I'm going to play it. Like, uh, I, I'm interested. I, in I actually it. thought the Game Informer video was a bit better than the trailer. Um, they had the Game Informer did a video showing some of the game, spell gameplay and like more direct, like how the user interface works and whatnot in terms of how do you actually play the game. Um, so that was more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I like the, the the one thing I really liked from the trailer is the stupid ice surfboard, and I was like, all right, they, if they have more like fun powers like that, like you, you can mix and match, I'd be down for it, especially if it's like traversal based. Like I I, I want to I really want to know like how flexible the spell system is but it's when you when you're trying to like force interactions with one another like can like you can you like mix two spells together that actually has like an impact on the environment in a meaningful way to take out opponents and even just traversing the world so there's a lot of potential there um and if that delay helps them reach that potential then sure you know i mean there's enough games coming out all right, I'm looking through the press release to see if there is uh, anything else really to dig into for Forspoken. Uh, I don't really think so. They they, not- they, re- they re-released, like, there's a new key art. Uh, they have, like, more new infographics on, like, the special editions because it's got a new release date. I don't think anything else changed, though. I do, like, I feel like I'm a little bit over the... Like the tagline is like she will rise like that. I, they could not pick like a more uninteresting tagline to me. I don't know. I feel like I've seen that with Tomb Raider. I feel like I've seen that in other places. Like I do yeah. not have this attachment to this character. I think the world has has a uh, potential, but just nothing with the character itself has really sung to me. And like the the way they wore this press release, like it will also showcase Frey's newfound confidence as she rises to the challenge to save Athia. Remember when this was yeah, called Project I, uh... Athia? It's uh like that's why I'm more interested like in in the gameplay more so than like anything mm-hmm. else because I think I think marketing around like story like it like it was more often not it like is really uninteresting or and or sucks. Well, because, I can't uh, even like, remember I like the last story trailer the we got. Uh, they said Frey had to defeat like these champions that had like this weird title. What were they called? Because at, at the end of the day, if I'm gonna play it, like I'll experience the story for myself and like come to my own conclusions about it, like. Mm-hmm. Nothing about what marketing says about the story is gonna like interest me at all. Uh, like I'm, I'm like the the what I'm gonna be doing in this game interests me more so than like what is the story this gets. Like I don't know. I'm gonna see it anyway. So who who cares? Right. Yeah, I, I just more broadly, I kind of agree that like I was even we were even saying about like Dealfield Chronicles, like the way that they present the story in like some marketing press release, like almost doesn't matter. Cause we'll see it if you play it, like how it actually like comes across and how it works, like how they market it is just sort of, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm really like, I, I hate marketing campaigns that like super focus on story. Like I get it. I understand why it has to happen, but I could not be more or less interested 
and like that type of stuff because like i just want to know what i'm gonna be doing the game that's like whenever there's like a trailer that comes out that actually doesn't show like gameplay and what people are actually doing on a moment-to-moment basis in the game it really it ticks me off thank you valkyrie elysium for actually showing gameplay yeah, yeah. yeah at least it did that it's true that's true for both of these games it's like thank you at least it shows gameplay whether i'll like like it or not at least at least i have a good idea of like can you imagine if we got a the valkyrie elysium trailer except uh, instead of the trailer that we got it was just like oh like a cg teaser 10 like 30 second teaser and then the well, logo and i think pe- people would be way way more hype on it yeah, exactly. But uh, but when they actually when when the rubber beats the road and you actually see that way later down the line, I'd be more pissed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like at, at the very least, like I have my expectations set for it. I know what it is now. I'm still gonna play it, whether like you know whether I liked what I saw or not. I'm still interested in like seeing what the fuck this is, you know. And like like they they already have my money. Like I'm already gonna go fucking play the game whether it's a review code or i'm gonna buy it for myself like i'm like at the end of the day i know what i'm doing in that game rather than like wondering for months like oh man uh well like i wonder what that valkyrie game is gonna look like you know for like what six months or so and it's like and that, that, that also like the star ocean trailer at least right away like we know what star ocean 6 looks like like what you're yeah, gonna be doing a in lot game. of gameplay yeah like i respect that a lot one of the big pieces of news that we had uh two weeks ago was the announcement for soul hackers 2 from the surprise atlas countdown and release this year in august uh in the last week atlas west basically shared adam i believe this was a a website update followed by a press release with a lot of the same information no this is dumb so there's a japanese so uh, let me start at the beginning so when they announced (laughs) the game two weeks ago or whatever it was they the japanese atlas the japanese company put up the website that had pretty much all the details on like here's the story here are the five main characters here's what's going on and kite actually took all that and translated it for us like the character introductions the story premise um basically you have these two manifestations of this ai supercomputer thing that they revive these devil summoners who are basically at, in conflict with each other. And then these revived devil summoners, they get soul hacked. That's how they're revived. Hence the name of that game. And then they end up working together. And that's basically the, in a nutshell, the premise. And then two weeks later, Atlas Japan put out a press release that basically had all that same info, like just in press release form. There was a tiny little bit more about like, like you go into these like realms that are like manifestations of the city, but otherwise it was pretty much just the same details. And then at the same time that Japanese press release went out, Game Informer got early access to the same details and sent out like the English version of those screenshots. And then like 12 hours later, Atlas just sent out Atlas West, the English company sent out the rest. Like, so we got some new, new screenshots and that's mostly what this update is, is a bunch of new screenshots. But in terms of details, just a few tiny things. It's all on the website. Yeah. Like we've yeah. we've written, I've got it. All, I've got all the details there, shared directly from Atlas. But and it's then, you know, it's mostly the screenshots are new. Yeah, the only, the only ongoing thing going on with this, like they have these daily, like you know, oh, yeah, they're doing streams. demons. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not. It's, the weird thing is like it's not even demons. Like sure, like the first one was like Jack Frost, and like like today was like Dormarth. But like like the second day was like here's like it's a pizza place or partly that we hang out at. It's like all right, cool, <laughs> you know. So. It's not just that, but but it's very much like the SMT5 Demon of the Day type marketing deal. Just with some locales, I guess. 
So the, uh, we have a news post up on the site that basically goes through the five characters, their voice actors uh, in Japanese, their, their bios, uh, what devil summoners are, summoners are, what the agents of Ion are, what, a soul, what the soul hack refers to. So basically all the stuff that Adam mentioned that basically got all synthesized from the, the website information, the, the press release, the Alice West d- detail later. Oh, I, I guess I should clarify. Now these de- the details we had two weeks ago were basically translations of the Japanese website. And now it's like these are officially like the Atlas West, like official English descriptions. Like, you know, like, gotcha. like I, I think it's I same think details, the, but I think the sauce of these like details is like like uh, like the screenshots for like like demons uh, in here, like and like kind of comparing it to Soul Hackers One. Like for example, there's no more loyalty system like in Soul mm-hmm. Hackers One. And then the the weird thing is like when like obviously there's we have like the basic physical like damage and then like gun damage like the the encompass physical damage then you had the four elements of fire ice lightning and wind uh for it and then they don't have uh like specific like stats for or like um resistances to like light or dark it like because that purple thing is for ailments so it's interesting i like i'm trying to think if like if there's any sort of like media for this game right that has like even shown any like light or dark spells or are those like gone who knows i don't know that's that, that that was the weird thing to me. Um, well, I feel like there's also, there's... Also, there's also a screenshot showing like their comp weapon, and that can be like that can affect their your your attacks. And then like the, there's some screenshots about like the demon itself and its abilities. So it seems like your character abilities will be based off of both the demon you have equipped to them, as well as like the status of their comp. Yeah. So, so. like it's just like like, a, like the screen all the screenshots is just like us soul hackers wonders going to the nitty-gritty of like okay what does this game actually have <laughs> that we're just like sniffing out having not played soul hackers one like i don't and i feel like that's going to be a boat that a lot of people interested in this game are going to be in uh, yeah. the, uh i wish atlas was not so pc adverse like they they did the persona 4 thing and I don't know. It'd be cool to be able to say like we're making a sequel to Soul Hackers. Here's the sequel on PC. Same the same with like the Valkyrie thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just well, spoiling or asking too much. Going to be bad enough because uh, in a year's time you won't even be able to buy Soul Hackers like at all. Right. Yeah, Good except point. Second, except yeah. secondhand like parts. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, all the new, uh, we obviously have the announcement post on the website, as well as the follow post, which does have, like Adam said, a lot of screenshots, but also synthesizes all the proper uh, official information for the game as it's come out since the game's announcement uh, two weeks ago. Here's a here's a smaller little piece of news that kind of was surprising. Uh, we obviously know about the upcoming remaster for Chrono Cross coming next month. Uh, not sure if it's related to that or not, but Chrono Trigger on PC has included a surprise update to add ultra wide support and adjust how auto battle works in that game with a new like the uh, the turbo mode. So it's just interesting because when Chrono Trigger released on PC back in I believe 2018, it released in kind of a pretty shitty state and then they immediately like worked to clean it up over the next couple of months and then it didn't have any updates so, like the most the the furthest of those updates was back in August of 2018. And now here they are just updating it again with some just nice uh, additional features that weren't really asked for, but are just kind of nice to have. So uh, Chrono Trigger is still on PC and Alex actually in his news post for this calls it like the definitive version of the game. So people might not it's agree arguably, with that. Yeah. Which I, I agree. It's, it's pretty close. There's just a few small things. Like if you really just cannot stand 
its UI, then sure. Does it do the music good. looping thing? Do you know? I it doesn't. Remember. It does do the music looping thing. <laughs> All right. Like, so like basically, know. when you re-enter the uh, an overworld after a battle, the, ba- the whatever track was playing will restart, and that's something that yep. a lot of these PC ports from from SquareSoft titles have struggled with. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, just... I mean, like, the, the, yeah. This all this all seems like really cool, especially the ultra wide support. That's really interesting in the twenty one by nine aspect ratio. Unfortunately, this new update also introduced new bugs to oh, it. it. Did. Yeah, like for example, I've heard. Uh, there it, it, the one I uh, I heard is it introduces a bug where uh, no numbers higher than nine 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 are visible. Golden menus, cost of items, and damage numbers in some locales. Like that's a fun new bug. And then there are, yeah. there's also there's also like some graphical bugs, like some parts of the UI and like uh, are blurrier than the, you know what it was uh, then. So and people uh, are also wondering like, when would they update Chrono Trigger now? Does this mean something? Like, are they going to port it to Switch? Is what people want to know. Yeah, the, the, yeah this is a weird thing too because this got, this came out like I think earlier in the day of that state of play. I'm like, oh, or like the day before that state of play. I'm like, oh, are they like gearing up to like maybe put it on like a console, you know, and just have it be announced there and then and then like the real announcement's like it's coming to console. But that didn't happen. Instead, we got a lot more Square Enix things. But other We're totally gonna get those across on Switch. We're totally going to get those pixel remasters on console any day now. Yeah, I think it's going to happen eventually, but they just put out Final Fantasy VI and they're still like doing some bug fixes for it. So I imagine mm-hmm. what they're going to do for the pixel remasters is basically patch up Final Fantasy VI, patch up whatever else they want to do for the other PC versions, and then, then like, all right, time to work, start working on ports. So I think it's going to be a bit. Maybe yeah, Chow in, uh, in, in our Discord uh, put up um, the, the the tweet that actually uh, lays out like a lot of the, the things. The, some of the things Chrono Trigger update broke, let's say. So that like, uh, just to read it out for folks, like, you know, menus are still stretched images, pixel fonts are really blurry, menu sprites are blurry, higher uh, high resolution pointer finger cursor. The thing is, though, is pixel. like, I just, maybe my standards are low but i'm just glad that like if you want to suggest that someone's plays chrono trigger it's there on steam and you can probably run it on your laptop where if if it was if it was still on just ds it'd be like grab your ds i hope you can find a cart because i don't know what those go for secondhand if you can't buy digitally things like no one is saying no one is saying this shouldn't have not not be on pc or or anything this is not to say that like oh they shouldn't have never gone with this endeavor at all it's just saying that like there, there, there's, there's still things to be worked out in it, and if you want to play it, it's still fine. There's just like be aware. Yeah, that like, ba- ba- yeah basically, like you yeah. said, awareness. No, no one, like, yeah, no one is implying this shouldn't have happened. You know, it's, it's cool just frustrating because it's, it's just in juxtaposition to like the conversations with Final Fantasy Tactics or Valkyrie Profile. It's like, please, just even if it's a shoddy like ROM dump, I'll, I'll play it. I don't know. Well, is it like 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 it's saying like the Final Fantasy Six Pixel Remaster never came out like. Uh, like, would you still be okay with the only the Final Fantasy VI thing beyond being on uh, PC or you know being that mobile port? So like, uh, uh, I would never touch that mobile port. Not so like, it, it, so it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a weird thing of like you there 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 has to be a middle ground of like, look, I, it's cool that it's available here, but it really does deserve better. And it, and it got it with Pixel Remaster, but like, I would rather you know, I'm glad that they did Pixel Remaster instead of having to like live with like the mm-hmm. fucking mobile version of Final Fantasy 6 forever. Yeah, for sure. Like, oh uh, yeah, if you want to play Final Fantasy 6, the most convenient way is to play this version that no one really likes. 
Yeah, it's not that, like they didn't do that with Chrono Trigger here of like, oh, they fucking put a mobile port of Chrono Trigger. I mean, it, does, it is on mobile versions, but it's not like significantly different than like what the original version of that was, unlike FF6 uh, mobile port mm. or version. And while we're on this topic, uh, I just want to note that in the last week or maybe two weeks, uh, Square did open a website for the Final Fantasy 35th anniversary. Now, details about what are specifically going to be what you can expect from this are basically up to just, you know, your imagination right now, I suppose. Right now, the website is basically talking about two games, and that is the Chocobo GP game and Strangers, uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, which in itself is kind of, if you've been following the news cycle about Stranger of Paradise, which releases next week, uh, is kind of like a, a celebration title for the series that references a lot of older areas of the game. We talked about um, Andrea and Alex's work, kind of trying to suss out all the all the different homages and references and inspirations from the series history that are going into the locations of that game uh first it was all uh speculation but then it's over the last couple of weeks has become official so that's kind of a cool anniversary project but if they're they i guess i'll just you know cut to the chase if they're opening up a 35th anniversary website maybe they've got some big things planned for this year uh don't know how likely that is but they do say yeah i think it makes sense that this would be you know what what are these new titles technically would be pixel remaster for consoles as well so like a pixel remaster collection or something for yeah consoles. so it's a, it says new title on the 35th anniversary website new titles it shows the uh the logos for chocobo gp and stranger paradise and then with the ominous and more so i guess they will add to this but what will they add we don't know yet. I don't know. Stranger Paradise Love shaping up to be cool. Chocobo GP after all the reporting that people finally got their hands on it. Not, not a great like start for the 35th anniversary on that end. Uh, yeah. Cool. yeah. I, I heard it has like a gotcha currency and it expires. Uh-huh. Yeah. After <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently only the currency you get for free expires. The currency you buy doesn't. Ooh, oh, that, that, that makes oh, it all better. <laughs> no, I mean it's yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. yeah. And I know, better, I know you but... weren't, I know you weren't defending it, but just like we, even with that correct clarification, I'm like, oh, that's still shit. I don't know. Yeah, and then yeah. you know, just the general UI of like you know, when people want to, you know, I think if it's just for free, like you know, the, no one deserves to like fucking boot up this game be like oh yeah it looks literally like a fucking mobile game ui or especially with the people paid like the full 40 bucks for it i think i mentioned on a previous podcast when they revealed that this game so they revealed i forget i think it was in a nintendo direct like a japanese nintendo direct that like cloud is a they, they, what they said was cloud you can get from the season pass and i was like wait there's a season pass and i was thinking like dlc because yeah. that's what we usually think about when you think of season pass and then yeah. They were very vague on it. And it was very confusing, and then eventually, like you, like in a corner of the Japanese website, like oh, it's like a battle pass. That sort of makes more sense, but also sort of doesn't. Like I didn't realize this game had a battle pass, but as you just said, like there's all this freemium interface in this fifty or is it forty dollar game? Fifty dollar game? Fifty dollars, yeah. Like, Which mm-hmm. I just want yeah. to stress that the Mario Kart Eight Deluxe DLC is out later this month for twenty five dollars. That's a shitload of tracks. <laughs> yeah, so you so you can either pay $50 for Chocobo GP, which treats you like you're playing a mobile game that's free to play, or you can spend half that and get 
a ton of tracks for a kart racer, which you definitely have if you own a Switch. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm sitting here saying like I don't actually have that, but I also have no real life friends, so that's why. That's why we're your friends. <laughs> oh, okay, I feel better now. Uh, yeah, okay. so we didn't have a, we didn't have a section on this podcast to uh, um, specifically call out right. Chocobo GP, but yeah, it's it's not been a good week in terms of the I, consensus. Go ahead. Can I say something that's a bit unrelated? Well, kind of related to the uh, 35th anniversary website. Uh, sure. So just the other day, I was looking back on it, but um, there was this Final Fantasy XI website that uh, Square put out late last year in the lead up to the 20th anniversary. And I, I saw when it went up and they said, oh, we're going to have a ton of interesting stuff that we're going to upload to this. And I just kind of forgot about it. But just the other day, I saw it again. And it's kind of surprising. Like, you look through it and there's like tons of like interviews from like all sorts of Square Enix staff. Like you have Tanaka, you have Sa- uh, Yosuke Saito, you have uh, uh, Yutaka uh, Kuwamata, uh, uh, Matsukawa, Yoshinori Kitase, Hal. I mean, there's even a Kawazu interview and a Nomura interview. And there's like all sorts of interesting stuff here that I think that if we're talking about like the uh, series uh, anniversary, even if you're, you never have any intention of playing Final Fantasy XI, there's some really, really fascinating like tidbits in these interviews. I think any Square Enix fan really should like take the time to like read over some of these because it's really fascinating stuff. That's uh, the think Final Fantasy XI 20th anniversary website. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I, no, that's yeah, a good shout out. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people like forget like how transformative FF11 was for Square. Uh, no, back in the day, like that was like really also one of the really few cool. games that Square Enix still makes internally. Yeah, it's a, it was a really bold new frontier, and the fact that it's still getting new content, new updates to this day is like sort of a miracle. Just honestly. a few months ago, they had an update where they raised the sub level cap, which used to be half of your main level for the longest time. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna raise the level cap for now from level 50 to 51. Which doesn't sound like a lot, except there's a ton of classes in 11 where the skills that they got had been balanced around. Well, we don't want this to be available for a sub job if you have it as a sub job. So we're so going to deliberately have this... put it at 51. Yeah. So suddenly all of these like new jobs are now suddenly viable as a sub job that weren't really viable before. Maybe, maybe viable is not the correct term, but it's like you got stuff like that. There's they've been. Cons- like, I, when was the last for Asia's Resurgence? Because they've been doing, like, story content for Eleven with this uh, this uh, Voracious Resurgence thing for a while now. And it's like, yeah. And I, I know yeah. I've fallen off since playing it last year, but it was really cool how the new story content that, they're, that they've been putting in over the last few years over that has been... Um, integrated with the existing story it's not just like something tacked onto the end they're like really trying to like flesh out the areas that exist in the game the characters that exist in the game and really like thresh it through the game very organically so i thought that was really cool from what i had played of it yeah there's a nice find i really want to uh read it sometime thanks james yeah we should definitely put a link to this uh up on the podcast article i think a lot lot there uh, probably a lot of people don't know about this to be honest 
All right, we've got a good slate of remaining news for the podcast from this week. A lot of this is release dates, uh, but we'll just talk about and we'll stop on the ones that we're most interested in. Uh, the first one is one that I think a lot of people here have already seen, but we'll just uh, declare it here at the start. And that is that Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp has been delayed indefinitely. It was originally supposed to release on April 8th, and this is due to the world events involving Russia and Ukraine. So not specific to the product itself, but just specific to the environment politically that we find ourselves in uh, indefinitely. Uh, so go ahead. Not much else to say besides like, I've seen some people trying to say, oh, well, what's the point of this? It's not going to change anything about the situation, but it's like, Come it's on. just bad taste. To yeah, it's it bad taste. Way. And people are saying, no, oh, well, why? I don't know. There's some people trying to make this political when obviously it's Nintendo just trying to be respectful of the situation. And it's kind of weird. Seeing yeah, the yeah, it's, it, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not a good time to like that's just it's just not the right. The, well, the state of the world is not is like, you know, it's not good right this, now. For the yeah, this is this is, is kind of this is but, like this is what they leave a very, very poor impression on like everyone involved and like it like i can't imagine it just feels good like you know to even be working on this project project and be like oh yeah we should still you know stick with you know our our original well the worst timing. part about this was i can't imagine wasn't it already delayed to the to the previous yeah. release date yeah this, this will be the second delay and this is not this is not the first time the series has a cursed uh, release yeah, date. Yeah, absolutely yeah. cursed because the original Advance Wars came out in uh, North America on September 10th, just 2001. Just a day before 9-11. <laughs> and I was just trying to remember, isn't there a faction in this game that's basically the Russians and the game starts with them invading somebody else? That's how the game starts I do, out. I do remember yeah. from, I only played the original Advance Wars, like the first one on GBA, and the the nations aren't clearly, but they're like inspired by... Yeah, yeah. and that's how the game starts out in one of them, I think. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and people, people who say like, people who say like, you know, delaying this isn't going to solve the, the world problem, so just do it. It's like, well, Nintendo's not saying that it will solve the world problems. Like, that's not the optics here. <laughs> also, <laughs> they don't want to release this and then not advertise it because there's no way in hell they're going to advertise a game like this that makes uh, War Out to be like playtime, especially with the new art style, which makes the soldiers look like actual toy soldiers and stuff like that. Yeah. When there's an actual war going on in Europe. And then, you know, the, 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 this sort of thing is like it's not like it, it it you know real life you know is still happens you know people have to make responsible decisions like is this a good good faith to release it like for example Metal Gear Solid Two you know Kojima had to like rework that whole ending because nine eleven happened you know and think about how to how to work around that um, so it's just it's it's very tragic what's happening in Ukraine and people should you know. Just respect the dude. Like, the, the, respect this decision. Just period. Like, people are fucking suffering out there, dude. Come on now. Yeah, man. And like, we'll see it this year, likely, but we don't know for certain. And just, you yeah, know, it'll I, come, I out. It'll come out when it comes people... out. Oh, we have a DLC for a strategy RPG that released last year. That is Disciples Liberation. Uh, the Paths to Madness DLC will release on March twenty fourth. I know, another I game I wanted to get to, but uh, never had time for, so nothing much more to say about that. Uh, Lost Judgment, the Kaito Files. Obviously, Lost Judgment was a 
a highly regarded release from last year for the site. The Kaito File Story Expansion DLC launches at the end of the month on March 28th. So I have not played Lost Judgment. I think Josh is still the only one here that's played it. Uh, now that I finished yeah. Yakuza, I have no excuse. I've got the Yakuza series down. Uh, Lost Judgment's next. Uh, what does this uh, does this DLC excite you uh, at all, Josh? Uh, yeah, uh, I love Kaito. I'm very interested to see like. Well, I guess th- I think this happens after the events of Lost Judgment, so it's sort of like you know a sequel, maybe a mini sequel or expansion mm-hmm. uh, to that. Um, and then you know they laid out like. It's it, like I was reading th- through this press release, so like, oh, okay, what's what's going on? And then, like, there's a bullet point that says, "Trust your gut." No need for Yagami's fancy gadgets here. Kaito has his own sensory-based sleuthing style. Tap into Kaito's primal focus to literally <laughs> sniff out clues, identify subsets, and crack his ca- the case with his instincts. So that's uh, I that that's you know, Kaito's a really goofy character. I love him. Uh, I'm very. Very excited to like you know get back and see what they do with this. Man, uh, I so. can't believe that Kaito is a bloodhound. <laughs> that reminds me of a uh, Kina and Fantasian, where it's like you smell like the forest or or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So who, yeah, who that's, knows? So that's a that's that's a that looks like, yeah it's looking like a meaty like you said almost expansion like. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Right? I'm thinking in my mind this is like six to seven hours long. Maybe I it's don't know. Thirty dollars. Yeah. So. Oh. Hopefully it is uh, meaty. Uh, this one is uh, another delay for this game that I feel like we brought. I feel like we've mentioned this game a few times in our like rundown section of the podcast. Uh, King Arthur Knight's Tale. It has been delayed again. This is a kind of a grim, dark strategy RPG based on the Legend of King Arthur. Uh, it's been delayed to April 26th. It was originally supposed to launch in February and then got delayed to March. And now it's being delayed to April. And I will say that whenever a game has these like repeated short delays, I think that that's almost more damning to my like impression than just like a single long delay, like like like, like what uh for spoken had just going from May to October, like just just I I don't know what your business sense is, what your fiscal calendar must look like, but it just doesn't seem good. Where it's like it seems like it's coming in really hot if it's being delayed yeah, uh, on like you. a monthly basis. So just take your time. Like I know, like me saying that isn't going to change what your fiscal responsibilities are, but it's not a good look. But yeah, another game to put uh, to slot into April. That's kind of a different take from the rest in there. Uh, we got a release date for Dolmen. If you don't remember what this is, I know that Adams originally heard of this game. Was it in the Nikon Nissan Direct from 2020? It was no, in one of those like summer things that all bleed together. It was the Prime Matter. Oh, Prime oh, Matter. Oh, yeah, that's right. Prime Matter. That Coke Media thing that was really, really weird. Coke Media, that's what it was. The one that was, was like the... mostly just interviews, right? And not really much games on it? Or was that another thing? No, no, I think oh, that's that exactly it. it. Okay. Uh, I will so so Dolman is uh it's releasing on May 20th for uh PlayStation Xbox PC uh this gen and last gen. Um we got a trailer for it. It looks this looks kind of like a uh Eurojank action RPG. It's it, the, the trailer the the trailer yeah, well, it looks Eurojank. I'm not saying that that's what it is, <laughs> but the, the the trailer for it is like a little over yeah. a minute of footage from the same boss fight. Look, I'm it, watching this. I'm, I'm thinking Brazilian Warframe. Uh, 
it does kind of look like Warframe. But like the trailer is not like a montage of environments or of characters or of uh, anything like that. It's just like snippets from this one boss fight in this one arena. And it's like, OK, that's it didn't do really much to excite me. Um, I don't know. I hate I hate looking at a trailer and being like, this doesn't excite me. But that's kind of what I saw here. Uh, but yeah, it's it's coming out in May. So we'll see what else uh, is around there and whether or not we'll be have a chance to take a look at it. You're going to play this and Elex 2 back to back as punishment. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping Elex 2 will fit into like uh, April for me where when nothing else is uh, coming out. Uh, once I once I get through like Stranger Paradise and Triangle Strategy, I'm kind of hoping like April, please be uh, please stay light so that I can kind of clear out my very quickly growing backlog for the year. Uh, Outward, this is a game that I did review back in 2018, uh, is getting a definitive edition that is launching for current consoles and PC in May. So Outward is a indie like survival, almost Souls-like RPG that is completely co-op, which is the reason I played it, which is actually pretty cool. Um, and it, over the, since its release back in 2019, okay, so it was 2019, uh, it's had a few DLC editions and a lot of like hot fixes, bug updates, things like that. Uh, basically, it's getting nicely packaged into a definitive edition uh, that is releasing in May. We don't have a date. And I thought fairly highly of this game. I think basically if you have a friend that's looking to play kind of a, a survival-esque game that's more framed like an RPG and less like a like a Rust or an Ark survival or whatever, I think this game is pretty cool. Um, so I have good memories of it. And I think it's uh, cool that, they're, that Nine, Nine Dots is like a Canadian studio that has like 20 people or something like that maybe 30 so it's, it sounds like based on their uh announcement for this definitive edition it's like this is the this is the last raw for outward before they move on to their next project so i think that's pretty cool uh we talked about in a previous podcast in the last month or so about how disgaea 6 is getting a complete edition launching for playstation 5 uh, playstation 4 and pc uh, and it now has release date it is going to release on june 28th for those consoles not much more to say there, I don't believe. Uh, Gotham Knights. I miss you, George. Uh, Gotham Knights has a release date. Uh, it'll release on October 25th. So here we go. We're starting to fill out uh, our October calendars with Forspoken and now Gotham Knights. So we have a release date for this one. It is coming out for uh, the Xbox consoles, Sony consoles, and PC. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't like show any new footage of this like release date announcement or like a release date trailer or anything. Yeah, just, it was right. literally just a tweet, just like, "Hey, here's the date." Like, oh, all hey. right. Well, well, who knows? We're gonna see that again. But there you go, head to head, Forspoken or Gotham Knights. Which side are you on? Uh, probably Forspoken for me. <laughs> just Gotham I don't. Either I Gotham Knights seems interesting because it's like it seems like it's a it's a single player. You know, people this was after Avengers. People were wondering if like this was going to be another like service game, but no, it's like a, a single player RPG with four different characters. And it, does it have a co op mode? I forget. I think um, you can do all of it in co op. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a co op uh, angle to it. Yeah, if I remember correctly. So it, hopefully it's one of those cool co-op modes that feels like you're not missing out if you're not doing co-op, but it just adds to the experience if you do. That'd be nice. Uh, I guess that was our last release date. So starting to get our calendar filled out, a lot of DLCs and a lot of like uh, updated additions to games that we've that some of us have already played with in terms of Outward and uh, This Guy 6. Uh, one sales update, and that is for a game that we talked about 
uh, pretty extensively on last year's Game of the Year podcast, and that is Ender Lilies. It has surpassed 600,000 units sold, and it is getting a physical release for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch via Limited Run Games. So I don't think any of us here are really big, big gung-ho physical collectors, except maybe James. Uh, I, I, I am, actually. Oh, you are? Okay, honest. never mind. I, t- I take it back. We have... We have numerous physical copies. I do like collecting physical copies, but I've already played it on PC, so it's like... Uh, I'm bad with with, uh, with physicals. Basically, what I do is I would buy a physical edition of one game, then I would buy it again digitally and keep the physical like completely sealed to, so its value stays higher. You know? uh, so you're, so you're, you're in deep. Okay. Yep, so uh, Ender Lilies obviously was a game that we thought pretty highly of last year. I know that I think Chow, James, and Adam have played it. I don't know if Chow's played it. Oh, I played, I played it. a bit of it. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so it's apparently sold really well, and it have, we'll have a physical version available soon. I know people have different opinions on limited run games, but uh, they would be the publisher for that. It's one. I am limited run games stupid, but I guess this is in their line that like might end up eventually at like storefronts too. Not just through their website. And finally, we uh, are going to talk again. We kind of, we kind of, I don't know, alluded to this earlier about Media Vision. So, Media Vision uh, launched a new Twitter account in the last week and shared that they have five titles in development. Now, I am not uh, savvy enough to know why this should be exciting. So, maybe I'll hand it off to someone that brought it up earlier, Adam or James. Not sorry, not James. Adam or Josh, if you hear that Media Vision has five titles in development, does this excite you? Let's fucking go! Valkyria Chronicles Free Plays Portable. Valkyria Revolution Two. Let's go! Okay, so Media Vision. The sound that made the sound that made Chow do was just. Okay, so Media Vision is originally known as the ve- developer of Wild Arms, although that's less and less relevant. Um, now, Media Vision is basically a Japanese developer. They're not, they don't publish their own games, but they develop for a lot of other publishers. They've made some really pretty good games like Digimon Cyber Sleuth, and they were the main developers on Valkyria Chronicles 3 and 4, or at least they contributed heavily to 4 for Sega. Um, so they've made some pretty darn good games, but then they've also made... Valkyria Revolution and Summonite 6, which is okay at best. <laughs> uh, Valkyria Revolution is not okay at best. Um, and they've also made Shining Resonance Repain, which is also a pretty bad game, to be honest. So Basically they have just... some some highlights and some lowlights. Um, and now we know they're making five more games. I, I think they said in, there's, there was a Famitsu interview and a Dengeki interview. Uh, and I caught bits and pieces of it. They mentioned like they can't reveal, you know, some of these games because they're based on the publisher gets to choose that, right? Um, so we don't know what they are. I, I don't know if they're going to get into any sort of self-publishing. I don't know if I saw that because they've never like published a game. They're always they're just a developer. Um, uh, I, I was there was something like they're working with Unreal Engine, which is obviously more and more popular. So yeah. Um, I think I said this before the Digimon Con, uh, or maybe right afterwards. I expect that Media Vision is working on the next Digimon story game, 
whatever it is. That's just my guess. All right, it's it on record now. If, there's, if it's fucking five new games, I imagine yeah. it has to be one of them. Right. Yeah, you've got, you've got, you've got high odds. Pretty good chance. Pretty, pretty good chance here. Um, I don't, I don't know who else. That are they gonna? Are, is Sega gonna try, gonna try to dabble Valkyria again? Mm. <laughs> who knows? Um, I, I don't know what else. That they, they showed off a few screen like uh, concept art, early concept oh, yeah. art. There's like oh, a, right. it's like a cell shaded like abandoned post-apocalyptic like highway with some cars. We saw the backside of a character. They, they were very. Uh, hedging and saying like any of this could change at any moment so like yeah it, it was very like in progress well i'd, I'd like um, to like to I'd like to get a i think some parts of the interview were like the the earliest we can show any of this is like next year, year from think, now right yeah. yep. so it's still you know there's there's still very much deep in development so who knows but godspeed i guess that's a lot of projects to be taking on uh, at yeah the i wasn't expecting five yeah i'll say maybe like two maybe three even but Five? Shit, what the mm-hmm. fuck are you guys doing? So, I don't know. I, don't, I have really no idea what to expect from Media Vision. Uh, yeah, Media Vision, even though we kind of mentioned some of their lowlights, they've made some pretty darn good games. So, they're that, that, it, that it is crazy. It is crazy. We haven't really seen anything from them since Valkyrie Chronicles 4. That was like t- four, four years, years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, did they, they, did, they did Valkyrie Chronicles 4? I think, they, I'm, as far as I understand it, they were pretty much the primary developer on Valkyrie Chronicles 3. I think 4 was maybe a bit half and half, like half Sega, half Media Vision, but they were at least pretty key on it, like, for sure. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, what are the odds of them developing a new Sekiro Wars game? <laughs> it's like, could I pray? Maybe, maybe Sega, uh, Sega uh, Gets them to work on soccer wars. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But mm, who knows? Who knows? Like, would would you want to see a, a, a media vision soccer wars, Chow? I I do actually. I I just think they make good games. It's of action RPGs. Just don't just let make them turn based soccer wars. Just yeah, they used to be turn based. They used to be like turn based tactical RPGs. Oh right, they were. I forgot the new one is different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. As nice. long as you don't let them make action RPGs, we're in good hands. So hopefully, four of these games are not action RPG, and then we throw in one action RPG just for for fun. Fucking Revolution Two, let's go! <laughs> there you go. No, please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> and the child has to mandatorily make a plate. Uh, uh, write, write, write a new guide for those nine. Uh, yeah, those nine people, people will watch it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah who knows? We'll see. Um, I did want to mention, though, I guess kind of as an aside, that uh, we did get an announcement for an announcement in regards to like another New Game Plus Expos happening at the end of the month. So I guess we're going to be getting some new announcements soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a couple of different events coming up this month. There is a Monster Hunter event, which I mean, considering Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is supposed to come out this summer, like, hey, maybe it's time for a release date. Yeah, um, probably. That's, 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 it'll that's also week. be October. Or yeah, no, it's not summer. <laughs> Never mind. It'll summer. not be October. <laughs> when um, when I saw the abbreviation, I thought James was talking about a Neo Geo Pocket emulator. <laughs> Why is yeah. that what you immediately thought of? <laughs> that's so good. What's the name? I don't know. I never. Maybe I just never pay attention to this expo. Maybe. But there's also the New Game Plus Expo event, which has like NIS America. Idea Access. Factory, Axis, 
uh, I think Natsume and a few other of those like Mike yeah, Creates, creates Neowiz, Playism. Yeah. Oh, we're finally going to get those Playism announcements that they uh, canceled their live stream for because they really, really pissed off the VTuber fan base. Look, they got Nosy out on PC finally, so they don't need to make any more announcements. It's okay. And then um, there's also a, like, no one cares about this except maybe me because it's probably indie stuff, but uh, there's also one of those games radar events coming up soon. I actually forget the date of it. So there might uh, be yeah, like March 24th. Stuff. Yeah, so there might be a few interesting events or interesting announcements from that. So, so, so what do you guys think? What do you guys think? New Game Plus Expo. Are we going to get actual NIS uh, titles announced for localization, or are they going to announce Kuro in advance, even though it's not going to come until... No way. I don't think they're going to announce Kuro before yeah. Zero even comes out. I don't think so. I, I, I think you just get a new trailer for uh, Zero, and that's it. It's just to be Disky SX. Yeah, I, I don't oh, actually yeah. think it's going to happen, but it would be hilarious if they did. <laughs> I, I hope they do actually. I know like you're missing a couple games for context, but I feel like if they just keep like waiting for all the games to come out, we're gonna wait like freaking five years. It's like you know, Look, Look, Charlie, you I, just you, you just need to accept that the West isn't gonna get Crow until this the entire like <laughs> yeah twenty late twenty twenty four when guess what Crow three will be out and then like it's probably gonna be the end of the arc. Is In be terms out. of NIS, actual like NIS games though, there's uh, there's Galleria. We're still waiting on that. Uh, no, Yomawari three. There's Yomawari three. There's that Boken Meshi like picnic survivalist RPG. Yeah. Um, so there's a few that they could announce just from the NIS side of things. Oh, Void Terrarium two. Void Terrarium so. two. Uh, there's also a couple of other games that they might not bring over. Like there's. Uh... Like, it sucks that they never bring any of their VNs over because I've heard some good things about some of them. And there's like a few that came out recently that apparently people like over there. And it's just like, NIS America just never touches them, which makes sense. I'm, su- I'm sort of surprised that NIS, like Japan, doesn't have someone else do it. Like, sort of like how Idea Factory pretty much uh, has access to all of their Otome stuff. And, you know, Idea Factory International sticks to the RPG stuff. So. Well, you got to wonder, though, like how much of it is NAS America is like plate being full. But also you have to consider that any localization that NAS America does for NAS uh, Japan titles. NAS Japan also has to like set aside a certain amount of manpower on their end to make sure that everything gets implemented correctly. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's localization is complicated. Mm hmm. Well, with that stated, uh, that kind of covers what we had to do for the uh, podcast. So a lot of the state of play announcements, uh, it seems like some good, some bad from there. Lots of things to look forward to. Obviously, we've got Stranger of Paradise launching on, what, the 18th? So we'll be able to talk about it next week. Uh, earlier, if you... What, yeah? Launching on, the, launching on the 18th, if you're buying a physical copy on console. Launching on the 15th, if you buy a digital copy on console. And launching on the seventeenth, if you buy a digital copy on PC, dude, I was so I was so pissed this morning. I was so pissed this morning because I totally forgot that the early access period was different for console and PC. Yeah, I, I was I was mentioning that in the staff chat earlier. That's the whole reason why I was at that uh, at my local game store yesterday, for trying to figure out if they knew when they were going to get copying. Because it's like, man, I, don't, I, I, I still, still want to play it on. Yeah, I still want to go on p- for PC, but it's like I'm not going to lie. Looking at the technical state of stuff on console, it's like. That PC port's either going to be an absolute mess or it's easily going to be the best way to play. And I'm just, 
Yeah, it's a, tracking. at this point, I'm just like, all my friends are going on PC, so I'll just fucking go on PC because I want to. I want to play with them uh, on it. That sucks. There's no crossplay on this thing because well, why would anyone want crossplay? Yes, but I, I guess I'll just, I'll just I'll just bite the bullet. I'll get on PC and come with me, you know, because who knows? Who knows? I guess I've survived Elden Ring on PC. I can yeah, do, pretty uh... much. <laughs> That's how I feel at the moment. And so we'll hopefully be able to have a chance to talk about that next week, as well as all the other March releases and going into April, all this exciting stuff to look forward to. Uh, all the news that we talked about is up on the uh, website, as well as a lot of the features and reviews that we talked about last week. This includes uh, like Triangle Strategy, uh, like Elden Ring. Um, we do have James's preview for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands uh, all up on the site. Uh, you can follow us on any of the social channels. Uh, just search for RPG site on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Tetracast, hopefully talking about Stranger of Paradise and whatever else comes out that we can't anticipate. So until next time, stay safe, take care, and we will talk to you then. Media Vision with Dev Shark, let's go!